Hello, brother. I'm Grace. Hello, brother. I'm Stephanie. And this is Doppelgangers. Today, we're talking about season six, episode four of The Vampire Diaries, which is called Black Hole Sun. I took that as a clue that the eclipse had something to do with the black hole. That was nothing. But we learned a lot this week. This was a big information gathering week. There's so much to discuss here about character relationships and expectations. I feel we're going to have another Stefan versus Damon fight. Yeah, I I feel we are because I know what side I'm on and I have a strong guess which side you're on. Yeah, and I think you're probably right. And I think they're different. And I imagine (laughs) they're opposites. And and I I think anybody can guess which one is which. Yeah, guess who I'm (laughs) defending this week. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see. You'll have to keep listening. (laughs) But before we get into all of that, here's a quick ad. I'll start, as always, by reading the synopsis from Vampire Diaries Wiki. When Damon and Bonnie realize that uncovering a time in Damon's past may provide clues to finding their way home, Damon is forced to relive one of the worst days of his life. After an awkward run-in with Joe at the hospital, Alaric steps in to help Jeremy get his life together and cope with the loss of Bonnie. Elsewhere, Stefan attempts to show Elena what it's like to start over and create a new identity, while an unsuspecting Matt finds himself in a disturbing situation when Trip lets him in on a dark secret. Lastly, Stefan, who is desperate to regain some normalcy in his life, is stunned when an unexpected visitor shows up. Stefan goes through it this week. He's on his high horse about he's evolved, he's figured it out. Shit gets thrown at him this week. And you know what? There are some situations where he is justifiably on his high horse. Like when he's talking to Elena, he mm-hmm. actually could get on a higher horse. <laughs> that horse is up there and it's it's right to be. It's warranted. We'll talk about Stefan's many high horses. This synopsis really like undercuts a lot of the drama that happens with Bonnie and Kai and Damon. Yeah. Which is a big part of this episode. A lot of fun. A lot of reveals this episode. We start the episode in 1994 Mystic Falls. I will say, A, I'm not going to refer to it as 1994 Mystic Falls for this episode because, A, there's another 1994 Mystic Falls that we go to, which is the one in the past. And we learned enough about this world that they're in that I feel like I can tell you what we will refer to it as. And it is Prison World, right? Yes, we will be referring to it as Prison World. Bonnie said prison. Kai said that it was like built for him. That's enough for me to refer to it as a prison world. Yeah. And that's what we will refer to it as moving forward. Okay, so we start the episode in the prison world. Kai's talking to Bonnie and Damon, and he says, so of course I broke into the Oval Office and I took a picture of myself at the window looking all JFK. But then I was like, wait, how am I going to get these photos developed? And Damon says, oh my God, (laughs) just answer the question. How are we going to get out of this twilight zone? Which is hysterical thinking that they asked this question and somehow Kai got to that story. He was probably just like, this is what I've been up to since I've been here. Yeah, he's just goofing. Kai says, I have a question for you first. Why do you think we're stuck on a repeating loop of May 10th, 1994, doomed to relive a solar eclipse forever and ever and ever? I love him starting this line of inquiry, knowing damn well it doesn't matter. <laughs> yes, I love him asking this because he just really wants to know like, why Damon thinks this, even though he knows Damon's wrong. He knows why he's here. <laughs> and he wants to make Damon like say it because I think he... I think he just thinks it's funny to put them through like a rough day because, you know, he hasn't had any people around for like, whatever, 20 years. I would mess with them, too. It'd be my little dolls. I'd be very chatty. Damon says, how the hell should I know? And Kai says, well, you know, I heard you tell Bonnie that this place was your own personal hell. I'm kind of curious why. And aren't we all? 
Bonnie returns from wherever she is, and she says, I found everything you asked for. A can opener, a shower drain, grinding wheel, jam, pocket knife, volume O of the encyclopedia, a nail, and a black marker. Now what? He's being goofy. The only thing he needed was the jam. <laughs> like, let's be honest. He should have just made him pick up a few jars of jam because he goes through it. Well, he builds a little fake ascendant. He's doing a bit. Kai says, well, I can't show you with my hands taped. Bonnie grabs a knife, the pocket knife, and lets him out. He says, thank you. And Damon says, okay, how is this pile of crap going to get us out of here? And Kai says, well, I will explain as soon as you tell me what you did on May 10th, 1994. And Damon says, oh, well, what difference does it make? And Kai says, let's put it this way. Bonnie's magic is one part of the equation. My as yet undisclosed knowledge is the other, which means you would be hitching a ride home for free. I just want to know if you deserve to come along. Meanwhile, he's the least deserving of the trip. (laughs) Meanwhile, he killed his entire family. (laughs) And he may have had his reasons. Damon says, or I can just torture you until you say something useful. And Kai says, but if you torture me, I'll get mad and I won't want to help you. And he turns to Bonnie and says, what kind of person needs to have that explained to them? He is so silly goofy. I love him. Damon lets him go. Bonnie says, play nice. And Damon says, stop trying to impress the new guy. (laughs) And she says, you know, why don't you just tell him your story? Damon says, well, maybe because I don't want to talk about the worst thing I've ever done, Bonnie. And Kai says, oh, now I'm listening. And he digs into the jar of jam with his bare hand. (laughs) He just needs a little snack to listen to the story. And even when we start with the worst thing Damon's ever done, I'm like, it's going to be pretty bad because you've done some bullshit. Yeah. You know, obviously this is bad. I don't want to undercut killing a pregnant woman. Yes. But is this the worst thing he's ever done? I'm not sure. No, well, it's kind of hard because he's, you know, done a number of bad things. I would say that him leaving Enzo to die in a fire is a little worse. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't think he should have killed a pregnant woman or killed all these people. And maybe it's like the most people he's killed in one day. But it doesn't seem so catastrophically worse from other things he's done. That this would be his personal hell. Yes, I do believe that this was the worst day of his life because of the way Stefan talks to him. However warranted it may have been, but we'll get, yeah. we'll discuss that. Yeah, because of the Stefan revelations and then the guilt he felt after it and this yes. being so soon after he decided to have his humanity back on. I think that combo makes it very emotionally powerful to him. Now, how much that deserves hell compared to other things, I think you can make arguments. Yes, I believe this is the worst day of his life. I do not believe it's the worst thing he's ever done. Yeah. I don't think he should have been out killing pregnant women. I think that was a little bit Yeah, me personally, I wouldn't have done that. But she's someone's girlfriend and he has a thing for killing girlfriends. Yeah, and I mean, all love to Stefan and Zach. Maybe don't invite him in right away. Give him a couple days, test him out. You know, I'm getting ahead of myself, but of course the daylight ring and the burn, that makes sense. But you guys have a dungeon. Maybe that's when they started realizing they should use the dungeon. We go- to Mystic Falls in 1994. It's in the real world, so it's a flashback. Damon rings the doorbell of the Salvatore house, and he's in his leather jacket, so we know he's still a little mean. (laughs) Stefan answers the door. Damon holds up a newspaper that says Kurt Cobain died, and he says, ready for some bad news? Well, yo, he showed him the bad news. And then Damon, of course, can't get in because he hasn't been invited. And Damon says, I've barely seen you in 50 years, Stefan. Could you invite a brother in? Stefan says, give me one good reason why. Damon says, well, check your answering machine. I turned over a new leaf. And he said, and it's an answering machine because we're in the 90s, remember? 
<laughs> Stefan says, yeah, I heard your message. I also heard you sent Lexi some flowers. 17 years after you left her to burn to death on a rooftop. You know, it's a little late, but I see you're trying to make amends. I just want to know why. And Damon says, well, I have to tell you this, Stefan. I am tired of tearing up New York City. Maybe it's the partying. Maybe it's my conscience. And Stefan says, I believe that would require one. So Damon's been in New York City, humanity off, all through the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. So I, I bet he had fun. Damon says, then I had this moment of clarity. And I said, wouldn't it be great if I just woke up in my own bed and could have a fresh start? And then who appears behind Stefan but Uncle Zach? I never expected to see him again. Honestly, I gave up hope by the end of season one. Longtime listeners will remember that when Uncle Zach was first introduced, Stephanie was in love with him, and she also was convinced he was a vampire. So his death was quite shocking to her. Yeah, I was convinced he was a vampire literally until he died, with no no reason to believe that. Yeah. What a weird one to get attached to, because he's not the hottest guy on the show. Exactly. So now you see why I was like, huh. Something spoke to me about him. I, I don't know. To this day, I don't know what it was. He was wearing a really cute sweater when we first met him. That's what it was. I do remember that. I guess it was just the sweater. That just goes to show it, it doesn't take much for me. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, when he died, you were convinced he was gone forever. And you had every right to be. And I knew you just had to make it to season six and you'd see him again. It's been a big few episodes for me wanting people to come back. Alaric. Zach. I mean, we're inches from Anna and Pearl, I fear. <laughs> Zach says, you must be Damon. And Stefan says, Damon, this is Zach Salvatore. He owns the house now. He knows the family history. And I told him that if you got out of line, I'd take care of you myself. And I will say in this scene, we're in 1994. I've, you know, been throwing this Sarah is a Salvatore thing out. And I said, was Sarah born in 1994? So I just want to say that I said that mid-episode. Yeah. Well, you don't even have to say that because you guessed episodes ago that Zach was her dad. That's true. You already got it right. <laughs> but I want to make it clear I was all, I was on the path at this point in the episode. You were even pretty sure when I asked. Like, you wouldn't really be swayed from it. So you got it right. I forgot how confident I was in it, I guess. You were, like, pretty much a Salvatore or a Lockwood, but I'm leaning Salvatore. I was surprised you were very confident about it. You really got it there. I had some logic behind it. You did. Damon says, why are you always expecting the worst out of me, Stefan? I mean, you usually live up to that. Well, but Stefan says, I don't. Otherwise, I wouldn't allow this. See, despite everything Damon has done up to this point, and we can talk about this more with the later scene, there's a lot each of them don't know about each other's lives that is making each of them hold each other to an unfair standard. Mm -hmm. However, despite what Stefan knows about Damon's life now, him allowing Damon to be invited in is a very mature and trusting act. I don't know. I, I think he's doing it, but still expecting the worst from him, which, you know, is probably just a way to safely like watch yourself. But I think I mean, I don't think he has high expectations for Damon. I don't think Stefan was looking for Damon's mistakes. I don't think he would have noticed if there wasn't a wound on Gail's wrist, because if he was really expecting the worst out of Damon, he would prepare the coffee every day. He that would give true. them vervain necklaces. He's trusting Damon. That is true. Fair enough. Thank you. <laughs> Your last win, I fear. <laughs> prepare, prepare for more wins as the episode goes on. <laughs> you like that one? <laughs> I can defend anything Stefan does. I have plenty of things to say about Damon. But we'll get there. Zach invites Damon in. Damon says, thanks. And Stefan says, ready to start over? And Damon says, hell yeah. And for a moment, they were happy. Then we go to present day Mystic Falls. 
at the border of town and Stefan is on his motorcycle looking so hot and sexy. And he answers a phone call and he says, hey, any sign of our runaway girl? And Elena says, no, Caroline and I combed the border three times already. No sign of Sarah. And Stefan says, well, she's not on any of the roads, which means she's probably in Mystic Falls. And Elena says, this is bad, Stefan. Her compulsion went away as soon as she crossed the border. She knows Caroline and I are vampires. Stefan says, okay, well, I got to go. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Sounds like, sucks to be you. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should move to Savannah. Yeah. Elena vampire runs up to him and she says, hey, where do you think you're going? And he's like, well, I didn't think you were this close by. Yeah. He says, uh, home. And she says, Savannah's not your home, Stefan. It's an escape, a hiding place. This is your home. And he says, no, this was my home, but I can no longer enter its borders. Therefore, I have a new home. Fair enough. Like, it is fair. Like, she can't expect him to live on, like, the border of Mystic Falls his whole life. But if I'm Stefan, why would you not just, like, enroll in college when all your friends did? Yeah, no, I'm saying it's fair enough that he's like, I have a new home now. I think his choice of new home is dumb. Yes, I agree. Because he's clearly running away from things and not dealing with his feelings. But, you know. Which only becomes clearer (laughs) throughout the episode. But, of course, Elena has no business telling him that. So, yeah, he's kind of stuck where he's at. Caroline can tell him that. Caroline's right. But Elena. (laughs) Elena really does never like to stand on here. Yeah, (laughs) but she doesn't even know it. She's got a phantom limb to stand on. Elena says, so you're just going to throw in the towel and go back to your fake new life? And Stefan says, actually, no. You know, my fake new life ended when Enzo decided to kill my not-so-fake girlfriend, Ivy. So I'm going to go home, pack up, and start over again. And this is funny because, you know, we saw Stefan interact with Ivy. It was not like he was, like, totally in love with her. So now he's getting on this, like, kind of revisionist history thing where he was like, yeah. I loved Ivy and Enzo killed her. It's like, you care that much about ivy you're just upset that enzo found you you know ivy was nice but if she had just died it wouldn't have hurt you that bad you just hate enzo which is fine but like he's like i can't believe he killed my girlfriend it's like were you calling her your girlfriend like be honest to her face i don't think you were i think he was saying mm, let's not label things and all love that he doesn't need to have a long-term girlfriend i'm just saying you can't not have a long-term girlfriend and then say like Oh, how dare someone kill my girlfriend? She was a girl you were seeing. Yeah, at best. And also, good news, he didn't kill her. (laughs) (laughs) Because, and so he's got to think for the chaos. He does. Elena says, so you're going to start over again by pretending your life here never existed. And Stefan says, you know, you'd be surprised how easy it is to forget the past, Elena. Now, this is a dig because Elena has actively forgotten the past quite easily. And Elena, given that she forgot the past, Completely misses this dig. Yeah, she says, no, it's a dig. (laughs) So she says, I'm not buying it. You lost your brother. There's no way that you're fine. He said, I'm not. So jot that down. Oh, how did you figure out I'm not fine? I've never been fine. He said, wow, you really understand the human condition. (laughs) Stefan says, you know, you do not have to worry about me. It's not like I haven't done this before. I have a system. And she says, okay, show me. Prove to me your system works. If I believe you actually are happy, then I'll let you go. But if I don't buy it, which I probably won't, I will keep harassing you till you come home. And I'm talking about Enzo-sized harassment. Deal? And this is funny because, A, how are you going to hold him to this? B, you already don't want to buy it. C, you've met Stefan. His system's not going to work. His system's not going to be, like, healthily coping. I was going to say, we've seen enough flashbacks. We know he hasn't had a good stretch of 30 years in his life. Yeah. Worst case scenario, his coping is being a ripper. Best case scenario, his coping is being depressed. I mean, in no way is he happy. I don't think this man has been happy 
for more than a couple days at a time ever. But the thing is, Elena's pretty easy to fool because she's a little bit self-involved. Well, and because since she's forgotten all these Damon memories, the Stefan memories feel fresher. So she's still got a soft spot for him because she forgets that she had a, a whole nother relationship since then with his yeah. brother. <laughs> so she's a little too soft on him right now. Yeah. And he is not taking that at all because he's pissed at her if we just taking the easy way out. Yeah, which is why he has no problem with tricking her, which he does trick her. If she hadn't yeah. forgotten her jacket, she wouldn't even know. Yeah. Stefan says, okay, sure, you can come with me because I don't really give a fuck what you say. He says, yeah, you can spend a day with me and then leave and then I can go back to my life. He says, what about our runaway girl, Sarah? And Elena says, well, we can't step foot in Mystic Falls, so now it's up to Matt and Jeremy. So we go over to the hospital at Whitmore, checking on Jeremy, who pukes in a bag. So Jeremy, uh, I guess we're relying on Matt this week. Uh-oh. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Although Matt has a good showing this week, but we'll talk about yeah. it. Yeah. Alaric is with him while he's puking in the bag and says, there, there, get it out. Rick is also on the phone with Matt. Matt says, is he seriously still wasted? And Rick says, yeah, little punk showed up on my doorstep last night at four in the morning, drunk. I thought you two were looking for Sarah together. And Jeremy says, I did my part. She is definitely not in the Salvatore liquor cabinet. He giggles. I mean, no one else is using it right now, so. Yeah, might as well. Rick says, hey, what about your vampire-hating neighborhood watch guy? If Sarah goes to him for help, that's a problem. And Matt says, well, I'm on my way to Tripp's office now. Office? I, I said, no, I don't think so. He doesn't have a job. Imagine his office is like a picnic table at the park. Imagine his office is like a WeWork. <laughs> it's a Starbucks, but he can only get the communal table. Yeah. Matt says, I think I can get him to trust me and tell me what he knows. Because he's the dumbest man I've ever met. Because <laughs> Matt's like, I think for the first time, I've met someone stupider than me. Is this how you guys feel dealing with me? I think Trip fell and hit his head a few many times. <laughs> That's a good one. Thank you. <laughs> Rick says, okay, be safe. And they hang up. Joe approaches them and says, oh my God, Alaric, hi, who do we have here? Rick says, this is Jeremy Gilbert. He's a little, and Joe says, underage. Yeah, I can see that. And Rick says, well, I was hoping you could give him one of those like rapid rehydration hangover cure type things. And she says, yeah, you mean the ones that we reserve for pro athletes and starving kids in third world countries? She's like, so I'm just supposed to help this random drunk kid. Does he even go to school here? Or does he have insurance? She's like, yeah, I don't. I actually follow the letter of the hospital on like your last girlfriend. Yeah, I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> she says, I think we'll start with a full workup, physical, blood, toxicology. And Rick says, throw in an STD screening while you're at it. Jeremy says, really? And Rick says, yeah. I mean, it can't hurt. And it's free. I assume. I should, they haven't discussed payment. <laughs> <laughs> well, he can compel it for free. Well, he's probably on uh, Rick's university insurance. So That's true. And university insurance for a professor? That's nice. Good deal. <laughs> for the students, they, they do not carry that over. Yeah. <laughs> Joe says, okay, down the hall to the right. And he goes. And so she's left with just a lurk. So she's ready to flirt. She yeah. says, do I want to know? And Rick says, just another day in the life of an occult studies professor. I know he was better at flirting than this. Death really got him. He spent too much time alone on the other side. He forgot how to talk to people. Yeah. Joe says, well, if that entails supervising drunk morons, then you and I have a lot more in common than I thought. And they smile at each other. We leave them for a moment. We go to Tripp's office, which appears to be like a room in the police department. It's definitely a basement office. It, this was a storage closet that he said, can I please rent this? And they said, mm, for 600 a month. And he said, well, that's a steal. And they said- Sure. 
Go ahead. <laughs> so Matt approaches, uh, but Trip is on the phone. And Trip says, I know, and I'm sorry, Karen. Jay was a good kid. I promise you'll be the first to know. He hangs up. And Matt says, Trip, are you okay? And Trip says, No, I just told Jay's parents that I was the one who found their son dead in the woods last night. Number one, that was not your responsibility to do. Let the cops do that. Yeah. Number two, you're the one who trained him to be a vampire hunter. And then he got killed by a va- I just, I'm sorry, I have an idea of who I would blame personally. It's not yeah. the vampire. Look, we didn't know Jay long. And I know that this community squad, volunteer, whatever, can't be the cream of the crop. But he should not have been your first choice to train. I feel like there had to be a better option. He's an idiot. I mean, I'm sure that also Trip was basically like, don't go anywhere by yourself. But Jay wanted glory. Yeah, he's a teenage boy who wants glory and power. He just wanted to kill someone. And he thought the cops had too many regulations on that. Yeah. So he went to the free squad. Matt says, I heard. Do you know what happened? And Trip says, you tell me. And at first it's like, oh my God, does Trip know Matt knows more than he's letting on? But he clearly doesn't. Trip says, he went to the party with you. Matt says, I don't know. He was drunk. I offered him a ride. He said he'd walk. I should have driven him home. Great lie. It's a great lie because it's very few details. And it's basically what happened. Yes. We know that he was at the party and then we know he went in the woods. Yeah. We don't know where he was walking to. Exactly. It's a great lie. It's clean. It's simple. It's elegant. And Matt delivers it with the right level of emotion. Great work from Matt this week. He can pull it out when he needs to. When he kings, he kings. Trip says, okay, I'm going to give the sheriff my statement and try to make sense of what happened to Jay. And Matt says, well, maybe I should go with you. You know, I might have been the last person to see Jay alive. And Trip says, okay, let's take a ride. And they go. So Matt already knows at this point he's got Trip in his pocket. We go back to the prison world. Ty says, I need to be entertained while I work. He's fiddling with the stuff he has and finishing off the jam. I think he ate the whole jar at this point. Yeah, the jar's empty. The jar's empty. He, he licked that clean. And he says, hell story, please. And Damon says, remind me not to kill him. And Bonnie says, you know, maybe telling him your story will take your mind off of it. And Damon says, whose side are you on? And Bonnie says, the side where we get to go home to the people we love. And also, Bonnie wants to know this story too. Yeah, she's curious. Damon says, fine. In May 1994, I was living here. I'd come home to walk the straight and narrow. We go to 1994 Mystic Falls. Damon is washing his car with Stefan. Hubba hubba. Brothers. If only I were that car. Pop those shirts off, gentlemen. Yeah. Isn't it hot out? (laughs) You don't need to have your flannel on. Give those pecs some room to breathe, baby. Yeah. Stefan has a flask of blood. And Damon says, can I have a sip of that? I'm starving. And Stefan says, sure. Damon drinks it and he is disgusted. Stefan says, good, right? I can't remember if that squirrel was roadkill or when I caught in the rat trap. Better hope it was roadkill because the rat trap was full of rat droppings. Swish your tongue around. Does it feel like hair or is it more of like a grainy pellet? This is a, a little too much detail for me to believe that Stefan has not been drinking poop. Well, I think he probably can't avoid it. Yeah. This is how much he cares about not falling off the edge. Interesting. Zach approaches with a bag of groceries and Damon says, how's it going? Like, what's up with all the grocery trips? And Zach says, oh, one of the boarders is craving blueberry pancakes. So this is confirmation that this is still a boarding house. Which border is craving blueberry pancakes? I think we all know. Yeah. We see Zach go over to a woman at the door. She is pregnant. 
and he kisses her on the cheek. And I said, well, that's Sarah's mom. I see where you got that. (laughs) At that point, if you didn't guess that, I would have been like, what show are you watching? (laughs) Damon says, you know, maybe I should run the Salvatore boarding house to go over Zach getting good with Gail. Stefan says she's on Vervain. So is Zach, which means hands off. And Damon says, interesting. And Stefan says, well, (laughs) I've done all I need to do on that. My brother will respect me enough to listen, if only. Uh, See, and I'll get into this, but I think Damon respects that Stefan doesn't want to know if he's going about this responsibly in his mind. Now to Stefan, none of it is responsible, but Stefan has a different experience with blood than Damon does. Damon is choosing the most responsible way to drink blood that he will. The real responsible thing to do would be heal them after he feeds, if he really doesn't want Stefan to know. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, he wants Stefan to know. He wants Stefan to accept the bad things he's done. He doesn't want to stop doing that. I think they just have different moralities because I think yeah. the things that Damon is doing before, you know, he kills all the people, uh, yeah. he doesn't think that's bad. But he knows yeah. that Stefan will think it's bad. But rather than compromise and stop doing it in the house, he'd rather be his worst self for Stefan and hope that he supports him. But I don't think that's fair to ask of Stefan. I think it's fair to like, if he's doing whatever the snatch eat a race, like, yeah, he probably should not be doing it at his own house, but he has a house full of borders that he can, you know, have some blood blood from not hurt them. I think in Damon's mind, that is not the bad things he's doing. I do think he does have a house full of borders. And if he feeds on them, that's not the worst. I don't think it's too much to ask to not do Zach and Gail. That's like the two people Stefan asked him to stay away from. He could find any other people and do this same thing. That's true. I, I mean, I think ideally he wouldn't take those two. I think he also kind of wants to get a Stefan and prove that like it's possible to have blood morally. And I think this is a way for him to prove that. And I, I, I think, again, it's Damon not really recognizing the relationship Stefan has with blood. Because I think he still to his core believes that Stefan can, you know, suck it up and drink human blood. And I get that from him because I had the same thought for a lot of the time. And I kind of still do, if I'm honest. <laughs> Damon assumes that he is handling things the right way mm-hmm. and that Stefan is being dramatic. And rather than discuss those differences with Stefan, he'd rather just be like, well, I'm right. So I don't need to change my behavior. Well, I think he thinks that if Stefan is in a good place, he will be able to do what Damon does. And I think it's a level of like, I want me and Stefan to both be in a good place. Yeah. And I know I'm in a better place than I was because I'm not killing people and I'm making nice with my brother. And I think he can have a better life than drinking this disgusting blood. And I think I can just like show him that it's possible and we can do that. And I think that's expecting growth that Stefan is not necessarily capable of given his situation. But I don't think Damon knows that. I mean, I just see it differently than you do that I don't think it's like forcing Stefan to change. I think he wants Stefan to be able to live the life he lives because he sees that Stefan is tortured by his relationship to blood, which again is something he can't change. But I don't even think it's about he wants Stefan to change or he wants Stefan to not be tortured. It's that he doesn't want to compromise any of his life. It's really not about Stefan because he's not saying, oh, we can feed on these people. He's feeding in secret. He knows that Stefan doesn't want to do this. And he knew that since 1912. He knew that Stefan can't handle human blood, but he would rather not compromise his own life and his own happiness. He wants to have his cake and eat it too. He wants to live with Stefan and have a brother who loves him, but he doesn't want to change his behavior. 
I think this is changed behavior. But then he goes and kills everyone anyway. As soon as he gets caught doing something that he's keeping a secret because he knows Stefan wouldn't like it. But in your mind, he wanted Stefan to know. He wants Stefan to accept all these things about him, which isn't a fair position for him to put Stefan in. And rather than openly talk about it, he'd rather get caught because then it's like it's proof that his brother really loves him. Uh, Yeah, I think what he's really looking for is acceptance. Yeah. He doesn't want to ask for acceptance because that will make him seem weak and that he wants too much. And so I think he does want to get caught and wants Stefan to accept him. Now, I think Stefan, of course, takes this personally because he's doing something behind his back. But I don't think it's crazy to want acceptance from your brother. I do think he went about it the wrong way, to be certain. I don't think it's crazy to want acceptance from your brother either. But Stefan also wants acceptance from Damon, and Damon's not accepting him either. Damon's not accepting that Stefan could be happy drinking squirrel blood. And at the beginning of this episode, Stefan is happy. I think Damon doesn't accept that this is as happy as Stefan could be. And that's fine. But he can't be all upset that Stefan doesn't accept him if he refuses to accept Stefan. I think it's different, though, because he's wanting acceptance for these parts of him that are a little more questionable. I think he just wants better for Stefan, which I guess you could make that argument. Stefan wants better for Damon. I think he thinks that he can help Stefan be happier and he can be doing what he does. I think it's a fault of Damon to not be able to like really grasp why this isn't possible for Stefan. But also, I don't think his intentions are quite so pure. I think he does want Stefan to be happier, but he primarily doesn't want to change his behavior. He is so caught up in his behavior that he's like, I want to do my behavior. It makes me happy. It must make Stefan happy. If we're both happy, win-win. He's not critically thinking about what actually makes Stefan happy. He's putting himself first. I I just think his behavior is not like that bad. And I don't think it's crazy to ask Stefan to accept that behavior. He could have gone into town and fed on every single person in the grill. If Stefan never found out, he wouldn't care. But Damon chose to feed on two specific people that were in the house that Stefan told him not to feed on. That's bad. I think it's a level of like wanting him to push away Kaya when it comes. Yeah. Because I think he could see his life being happy and he wanted to test Stefan. Yeah, he did, which I don't think is fair. Stefan is going through his own shit that Damon has never really been understanding of, which is not Mm -hmm. Damon's fault because he doesn't have that same relationship with blood. But Damon always assumes that Stefan is like the moral one and he's so good and it all comes so easily to him. And so Damon gets very like frustrated with Stefan, but Mm -hmm. I don't think he gives Stefan the credit or the respect he deserves for all the shit he's going through. And so his behavior just actively ignores Stefan's drama. I think we do also have to bring up the point that Stefan does not really respect what causes Damon to do these things. Evidenced by like, Stefan has never asked why Damon had his humanity off in the first place because he assumed he just turned it off for fun. Now we know he turned it off because he was tortured and kidnapped. And we know Damon took that personally that Stefan never looked for him. Now this is unfair because Stefan doesn't know any of this. Mm -hmm. And it's unfair of Damon to hold that grudge when he doesn't give Stefan the opportunity to know. But I think there is a grudge there that is causing some of this. It's true of their whole relationship. And we have to remember in 1994, there's a lot about their past that they don't know because we've learned it from season one. Mm -hmm. And this is the same problem they were having in season one is that there are things they fundamentally didn't understand about each other. Mm -hmm. And- In all their past drama, I mean, in 1912, 1942, 1977, we can talk about all of these as they come up. Each of them have vastly different memories of those years. Mm -hmm. Each one painting the other as the villain and them as the tortured one. And neither of them are right or wrong. Mm -hmm. But they just, for a long time, were not willing to understand each other. I think they've gotten further past that in, you know, the present day. 
But in 1994, it was like the worst it had ever been. Yeah. And we're meant to believe, I think I can say this, that this is the last time they see each other before the start of the show. Yeah, that's the sense I got. I know we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but there's much but to we say. have But we have to start the debate. And yeah. I think it's complex because I think both of them are working with a lot of blind spots. Yes. And I can see how you end up siding with Damon. And I can see how, how you end up siding with Stefan. I just, I have a soft spot for Damon and think he doesn't have the same kind of care extended to him that Stefan does. And that's not to say Stefan yeah. shouldn't get more care extended to him as well from his brother. But it's because Damon pushes all his friends away and leaves them to die in fires. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if he saved Enzo from the fire, he would have more care in his life. He tried. I know. I'm joking. I'm Couldn't. joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh-huh. It was very funny. <laughs> Hysterical. <laughs> That's my boyfriend you're talking about. I know. <laughs> we go back to the prison world. Kai is snoring because this story hasn't gotten good yet. Because he had a sugar crash. He ate all that jam. He ate a whole jar of jam in like 10 minutes. <laughs> it's nap time, babe. Damon says, perfect. Our savior is insane and narcoleptic. And Kai says, no, I'm awake. Let me guess. You killed the pregnant woman. And Damon says, well, you're not supposed to guess that already. So you have to wait for the end of the story now. Damon says, shut up. You weren't listening. Even though like, yes, that's how the story ends. He killed the pregnant Yeah. <laughs> but he's like, well, you're not going to cut to the end of the story. I have a lot more like brother relationship world building to do here. Yeah. It's actually more than that. <laughs> Kai says, I was listening in my sleep. You were hanging out with your distant nephew, Zach, who you call Uncle Zach, because that's not confusing. Plus pregnant lady Gail, who had a big bullseye on her chest. Got it. Yeah. He's like, I see where this is going. Yeah. And don't we all? Bonnie says, please tell me you didn't kill a pregnant woman. Kai says, that is totally what happened. Why else would today be his personal hell? And it's like, actually that part alone isn't the hell thing. <laughs> Damon crouches down and comes up to Kai and Kai goes, oh, here we go. <laughs> and Damon says, the only reason you're alive is because I thought you could get us out of here and help us, but you don't have any answers. You're just a man child with jam on your fingers. And Kai says, okay. He decides it's time for him to reveal some of the information. What I will say about Kai, particularly in this episode, but last episode as well, he is very masterful at hiding as much information as he possibly can the whole time. Because he's, you know, been prepping this for a while and he's been listening and learning a lot about these two's relationship and is very good at playing it. He keeps a lot of tricks up his sleeve as long as he possibly can, but he realizes he has to give them something here. So he says, okay, to get home, we'll harness the power of the eclipse using a mystical relic. It's called an ascendant and it looks like this. He built a replica one with a lot of the things he had. Yeah. And he said the last time we had it was in the Pacific Northwest, Oregon. And my immediate thought, that's where the Gemini coven is based. We'll talk more about the Gemini Coven later in the episode because we cover more of it later, I think. Yeah. But this was your first clue. Yeah. Bonnie says, we. And Kai says, it belonged to my family. So here's a little blood to get you started. He gets his own blood because it's in his family's blood. He says, now all we need is a locator spell to pinpoint its whereabouts. Damon says, think you can find our ticket out of here, Bon Bon? And she says, hell yeah. She says, it's a locator spell. I can do that. Yeah, I can do a locator spell. I know that one. We go over to the auto shop in Savannah. And it's like, oh, we're back here again? Like, okay, we're still doing this. <laughs> Elena looks at a picture of Stefan and Ivy and says, oh, she's cute. Stefan says, was cute. He's like, she's dead, by the way. And it's like, I fucking know. I heard. Elena says, I'm sorry. And Stefan says, me too, but what's done is done. Because he doesn't give a fuck about her. <laughs> and he picks up his paycheck. He says, so after taxes and social security and health insurance, I'm left with $206.03 to spend for the week. Want to get drunk? 
me on payday. <laughs> Why is he living like this as a vampire? It doesn't make he's any sense. He's himself as the answer, but whatever. Well, the reason we find out why he's working in a mechanic shop, he's building Damon's car for him. Mm-hmm. That's why, because he loves his brother. Yeah. Elena says, Stefan, health insurance? Which is a fair question. Yeah, she's like, why are you paying for that? I don't, and I don't get why he's playing, paying social security either, because <laughs> he's never going to be able to cash it in, because he's never going to get that aid. Like, taxes are going to come out of a paycheck. Like, I understand if you have a job, those things are going to come out of a paycheck, probably. But the thing is, if I'm a vampire, like, I'm compelling money into my account. I'm compelling things for myself, too. Yeah, my <laughs> paycheck isn't really of much consequence to me, to be honest. Yeah. If I'm working a job, it's for fun. And let's be honest, I'm probably not working a job. And also, I don't need to spend any money. I will go to the bar and compel my beers. Yeah. Stefan says, the point is to start over. Pretend to be as human as possible. Super healthy approach. Pretending. That sounds like it's going to work really well. Yeah, sounds like there's no catches. Elena says, okay, so no vampire privileges. Except uh, for the daylight ring, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, you're real picky and choosy there, huh? <laughs> she says, no baggage from our old lives whatsoever, huh? What's this? It's his car. And he says, you got me there. Damon isn't around to call it a granny mobile, so. And Elena says, yeah, your brother really did love to torture people with nicknames and just plain torture people. Even if you didn't like Damon, this is rude. Yeah, this is rude to say. And Stefan is, he's pissed at her for saying it, but also pissed at the forgetting portion. Because anytime she says something like this, it's like, oh yeah, so you don't have any fucking grief to deal with. Yeah. It pisses him off all day and I can't blame him for it. I'm surprised he lasts as long as he does. Yeah, he says, that's one way to put it. Which is so like cutting, but she doesn't pick up on it yet. She says, so your system for moving on requires both burning bridges and a dead end job? And he says, we haven't even gotten to the fun part. And she says, what, paying your utilities? She got him there. Yeah, she did eat him alive with that one. <laughs> she, ate, she ate that one little thing. <laughs> Stefan says, no, deciding who you want to be for the next 30 years. An astronaut, an Olympic athlete. You want to skip med school? Boom, you're a doctor. Go ahead, challenge me. I'll show you how it's done. Yeah, let's all just skip med school and be doctors. That's great. That's what the world needs. More doctors to skip med school. he can be anything he can be an olympic athlete and he wants to be a mechanic yeah all these lives he planned first of all not interested in any of them there is not enough money on this planet to make me be an astronaut i'm terrified of space and then mechanic is the whole other side of it why not just be a bartender if i look 17 forever i'm gonna be in college forever yeah i don't want a job i'm not gonna have a job and if i do it'll be like celebrity wedding planner like it's not gonna be (laughs) it's not gonna be a job no here's what i'm gonna do as a vampire i marry a different celebrity every couple years and then i mysteriously die and then they go to jail for it yeah i die on a boat maybe i can only do that once depending on how big the celebrity is but i do it at least once yeah i'm framing someone for murder for sure marry into the royal family and then frame them for murder get justice for princess diana Actually, I'll totally frame a new person for murder like every few years. I just have to change my name and like, look. Yeah, I think it'd be fun. Yeah, it's actually a good plan. But I only pick bad people to frame for murder. Oh, yeah, of course. No, that goes without saying. (laughs) Yeah, I want to clarify that just in case. I'm not like framing someone good. (laughs) If I'm a vampire in this day and age, you know who I'm framing for murder? (laughs) Tom Sandoval. (laughs) (laughs) Only for the Vanderpump girlies. We go back over to the hospital, check in on Joe and Alaric. Joe says, quite a boozer, that kid. I put him on a saline drip. He's lucky I didn't pump his stomach. And Rick says, yeah, well, he's had a rough couple of months. And Joe says, oh, so did you bring him here to put a Band-Aid on it? Make some more excuses? 
what business is that of yours? No offense. It's like, damn, what kind of doctor are you? <laughs> Alaric says, no, actually, I came here for some advice from a professional. And she says, okay, well, a kick in the ass might help. Jeremy, too. Ha ha ha. And then she says, look, if he's anything like his sister, I'm sure he'll be fine. It's nothing I don't treat every single night on campus or didn't do myself when I was a student. And she wants to get us out of professional world fast. She wants to flirt. So she yeah. says, what about you, former party animal? She is trying so hard to get the vibes going. She's giving him so many opportunities. And he is not picking up. It's like, oh my God, Alaric, say one thing that's useful. Please. He says, yeah, I used to get kicked out of the library all the time because it was closing. And she says, right, haha, like head in the Wiccan Bible. And he's like, I didn't actually study occult studies that that much. I kind of fell into this. I'm actually really into the Civil War. <laughs> and then he sees a kid with a bloody nose and he like kind of freaks out because, you know, he's a vampire. He wants blood. And Joe says, OK, here's one more piece of advice. When a successful, sexy, only moderately insecure doctor is flirting with you, give her your undivided attention. She's so real. She's been working so hard to flirt with him. And she's like, no. I'm drawing the line at you looking away from me. I'm drawing the line at you looking at a teenage boy. That's concerning to me, especially because you brought in this teenage boy who you're not related to, who's really drunk. So I'm starting to see some flags here. And they're not green. (laughs) We go to some dive bar in Savannah, Georgia. Elena and Stefan are sitting together. And Elena says, okay, so Caroline's laying low at the dorm. No sign of Sarah yet, which means she's either hiding out or she's planning her nightly news exclusive to out me. Which is a goofy line, but it's also like she hasn't outed you guys yet. So something else is clearly afoot. Well, yeah. And also like not for nothing, if she did want to out you, what, she's going to go to the news station and say a vampire attacked me. She'll get laughed out of the news station. Yeah. They're going to be like, I think you should go talk to somebody. And then she's going to go to the sheriff and say that dog bite was not a dog bite. It's a vampire. And the sheriff will say, well, let me look into that. Go home. Don't tell anyone about this. She'll yeah. say Damon. Well, I guess you can't, can't call Damon right now. <laughs> She's just like, Caroline. <laughs> Stefan says, look, well, if she does out you, then you start your life over somewhere else, free of all the supernatural drama. You ready to see the system in action? And she says, ready. He says, all right, hand over your daylight ring. She says, okay, and does. I wish she had run out the door with the ring. <laughs> been like, fuck you. Don't tell me what just, to do. At least as a bit, it would have been funny. Yeah. But he gets up and then he gets down on one knee and he proceeds to be like the corniest he's ever been. And I'm I'm gagging, gagging. I'm booing. He says, Elena Williams. And she plays right along. She gets the vibe. She says, oh my God, Stephen Cooper, what are you doing? He says, we've known each other for a very long time now. And you've always been my best friend. I have always loved you. And I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Will you? And she says, wait, you're not just proposing to me because I'm pregnant, are you? And everyone in the bar goes, oh my God, what the fuck? She has a beer. <laughs> everyone is scandalized. They are actively reacting. They're like, this is not a nice enough bar for a proposal. They say, he's proposing here in the middle of the day? <laughs> he says, no, I'm proposing to you because you are my rock. You have stood by my side through the multiple rehabs, the jail time. The bullfighting injury. I mean, you have brought me back from the edge and sweetheart, this baby is the best thing that ever happened to us. Will you marry me? This whole speech, I know there's like some jokes in here, like bullfighting injury. But there's a little too much truth in it. Yeah. If you're creating new identities, why are you talking so much from your own experience? Yeah. Why is she bringing you back from the edge still? Yeah. Maybe in your new reality, you're not on the edge. Just Just a pitch. Maybe on the next life, you don't need to go to rehab. Yeah. Or at least, you know, speak that into existence, you know? And maybe let's not make fun of people who go to rehab considering your own issues, buddy. Yeah. 
Maybe let's not drop that as a joke. She says, yes, I'll marry you. And everybody claps, except for one guy at the bar, but we'll check with him later. (laughs) I go over and be like, that's the ring. Why is it blue? (laughs) And not to be nosy, but I think she was wearing that when when they walked in. Like, I think they're just trying to get free food. Hey, I came because I wanted to see the ring and that was disappointing. And I just want to make sure you know, you're not really supposed to drink while you're pregnant, right? You know, do your own thing. I'm a doctor and I don't want to tell you what to do, but I don't think you should be drinking. You know, they have soda here. And they hug. And Stefan says, see that? New identities, new lives. It's easy. He turns to the room and he says, thanks, everybody. A therapist would have a field day with this scene. Yeah. Talk about weird coping mechanisms. And this isn't even the worst coping mechanism of the day. We go back to the prison world. Damon is throwing paper airplanes in the front yard made of the newspaper. That'll come to play later. Right now, he's just having fun. In another room, Bonnie is doing a locator spell on a map of Oregon, and it has a drop of blood near Portland, where the Ascendant was supposedly last seen. Bonnie says, this doesn't feel right. Like, maybe I need a bigger map. Damon says, maybe you're just out of practice and you suck at magic now. And Kai says, ignore him, Bonnie. Pretend he's a white noise machine. That's how I used to tune out my siblings. I grew up with a ton of little sisters and brothers, and all of them constantly were yammering, but it taught me how to focus. And he gets pretty close to her. He turned on the charm a bit. And this is when I was like, "Mm, maybe your siblings were twins named Luke and Liv. Although, seems like not. Seems like they weren't. And if they were, then I don't think we would have met them. (laughs) Yeah. Damon says, easy there, big brother. She doesn't know you. At least buy her a drink. We go back to 1994 Mystic Falls. Damon is talking to who else but Liz Forbes. Queening her little long hair, her sundress. Yeah, she is in her summer mood. Damon says, can I call you Liz? And she says, sure. (laughs) He says, your daughter is so adorable. And she has a little baby picture of Caroline. And Liz says, yeah, Caroline's high maintenance, but she's worth it. High maintenance from birth, bitch. From the beginning. Zach takes a picture of Gail with a cupcake and she says I am so getting rid of that photo which is weird because the photo is really cute so she puts it in her cardigan pocket and she says oh Stefan like come take a picture of Zach and me Stefan says sure he takes a picture of them and Gail says okay now back to my cravings and she goes and gets another cupcake (laughs) but Stefan is talking to her and he notices something on her wrist and he says hey what happened to your wrist it's two very clearly vampire bite marks and she says I don't know what happened This is before Damon realized you're supposed to give them an actual answer to this question, not just forget I was here. So yeah, it doesn't take a genius to figure out what happened here. Stefan figures it out pretty quick. We go check in with Liz and Damon. Liz says, oh, how does this thing work to like help us watch the eclipse? And Damon says, you put it in between you and the thing that's too hot to look at. And he holds it up to her and he says, it works. She's giggling. (laughs) She's giggling. He's giggling. They're having fun. And she says, you know, my husband would get a kick out of you. I bet he would. (laughs) for a little bit until he learned too much about him then he would not then he would hate you (laughs) she says we should invite you over for dinner sometime stefan approaches and says damon what did you do to gail and liz says oh is everything okay and damon says looks like the jig is up and then he says look at me and he goes to liz and he said and he compels her he says go home forget you ever met us which is good because he would have killed her pretty soon if she was still here so glad she got out of that one. And at first, it's a little weird that she's not on Vervain, but we get the drop later that the Founders Council started after this day. So she probably wasn't aware of vampires until after this because Bill Forbes probably didn't tell her. Yeah, because it wasn't really relevant yet. Exactly. Stefan pulls Damon aside and says, hey, how the hell did you feed on Gail? She's on Vervain. And Damon says, in her coffee, I swapped it out last week. Same for Zach. Now, this is on both Stefan and Zach. 
And I mean, we've said this about everyone. You should have multiple ways you are getting Vervain, especially if you know two vampires are living in your house. Have a bracelet, have a necklace, have coffee. Well, especially like you're letting in a new vampire, Zach and Stefan, you're already kind of on the edge about him. Like, let's just give everyone Vervain jewelry, keep it a secret and spike the coffee. Let's just have multiple ways that we have Vervain. Yeah. And as we know, Zach was growing Vervain. So I know he doesn't have a shortage. Yeah. Stefan says, these people are my friends. Zach is family. They trust me. And Damon says, and they'll trust us both. Look, I'm only feeding in the house, right? Snatch, eat, erase. It's all completely functional, Stefan. I told you it's a new start. Stefan snaps his neck. And there's another reason I'm on Stefan's side here is because Damon is taking advantage of the fact that they trust Stefan, knowing that then Stefan is like co-signing Damon's actions. So no matter what, Damon will not be like the number one person blamed. Stefan will always feel responsible for letting this in. So he's using Stefan. That is true. I will say though, there is some benefit of keeping it insular in the house of like keeping it contained and that kind of awareness of like I respect that we don't want to let this out of course I think he underestimated how important these people were to Stefan and also not for nothing it's the 90s they have blood bags in hospitals why is he not getting blood bags that is true he's doing this for no reason but to like chase the high yeah you know the thrill of the hunt if he wanted the thrill of the hunt he would go out I can't pretend to understand Damon's mind who could Yeah, but I think a he likes feeding on people because it makes him feel more powerful. Mm -hmm. I think he likes the personal element. And I think he likes like the trickery of pulling one over on Stefan. I think it makes it exciting. And it's the only way he gets excitement when he's otherwise being so well behaved. Yeah, I was going to say that, that I do think he likes that he's pulling one over on Stefan. Yeah. Because again, I do think he's holding more of a grudge on Stefan than Stefan realizes. And I think more than Damon wants to admit. Oh, yeah. Because I think he wants a fresh start, but he just turned his humanity back on. He's still really hurt by the things he's done. I mean, Damon is still really hurt by the fact that Stefan didn't find him when he was trapped in in Augustine. Yeah. And he clearly hasn't let go of that. And he's hurt by the fact that Stefan didn't come help him when Lexi did, which we can talk more about at length. Yeah. So he's hurt by Stefan, but he doesn't want to admit he's hurt by Stefan because that makes him seem weak. And he thinks weak is the worst thing you can be. And Mm -hmm. a part of him, I think, also sees Stefan as weak. So that's the other reason he almost wants to distance his methods from his because he's like, if I do what you're doing, then I'm weak and I don't want to be weak. I don't have to be weak. I'm a vampire. When really weakness is a form of strength, which he learns from Elena, but he we're not there yet. We go back to the prison world. Damon comes back to the area where they're doing the locator spell and the blood is moving across the United States at this point because they had the drop of blood in Oregon where Kai said the ascendant was and the blood is leading us somewhere. And Kai says, oh, The blood's moving to Virginia. That can't be right. He's like, that's crazy. And Bonnie says, no, the spell's working. It's showing me Mystic Falls. It feels so close. And then she touches his chest and she says, it's right here. And Kai pulls the Ascendant out of his pocket. And he says, very good. He says, great job. She says, that's the Ascendant. And Kai says, the one and only. So we get a quick look at the Ascendant. It's kind of compass-esque. Yeah, there's a lot of gears. It's very uh, steampunk. It is very steampunk. Great word for it. (laughs) Damon says, thanks for the mind games, jackass. (laughs) And Kai says, it was just another little test to make sure Bonnie's magic was precise enough for the spell. I do believe you're ready. Pack your bags. We are going home. And everything looks great here at this moment. It's like, wow, they're going to go home today. Dare to dream. We go back to 1994 Mystic Falls. Damon comes to in some shed. 
and Stefan is there. He is not locked in the shed and he's not in a dungeon. It did occur to me, though, as we were talking about this earlier, that maybe the dungeon was repurposed from like boarding rooms. So maybe they don't have a dungeon. Or like maybe people are staying down there. Anyway, so he's in an unlocked shed. Stefan says, so here's what I don't get, Damon. Why did you insinuate yourself back into my life, then cheat and lie and break all the rules? He broke one rule on two people. It was one rule that was like the only rule. So it It, was all the rules. It was the main rule. Damon says, well, I lied because I knew you'd be mad. Believe it or not, I like being here, Stefan. At least he admits to this, that this is why he lied. Mm -hmm. But also, Damon, I mean, that doesn't make you look better. And also, there's not a sorry in there, mind you. Because he's not sorry. Yeah. I don't think Damon wants to say he like just wants to be here and wants to be family. Because again, that's vulnerability that he's not comfortable with. I think he is self-sabotaging because he knows that eventually Stefan will see bad in him. So he's like, well, I might as well put the bad out there. Which is the same thing he does with Elena. He knows that if he tried to do it Stefan's way, he would eventually fail. So he starts by failing and he does it with the two people who Stefan specifically told him not to feed on because he knows that he's going to do it. It is self-sabotage, obviously. Yeah, you can't can't fail if you never try. And I think he does this, you know, secretly hoping that Stefan will be like, no, I know you're better than this. But Stefan doesn't have like, he has no reason to do that. Yeah. He also doesn't have the knowledge of like what hurt Damon is coming from. He has no evidence that Damon will do better than this. Because again, I mean, he doesn't know the full story of what happened in 1943-1942. That Lexi told Damon not to go with him to war. He thought he just chose that. He does not have any evidence that Damon has ever made a decision for anyone but himself. And yeah. he a little bit has his blinders on, I think because he was willing to give Damon a chance. But I do think because he's been so betrayed by Damon so many times... If he sees any inch of betrayal, he's going to assume the worst. He's going to assume the most malicious intent, which is what he does here. And I think given the evidence he has, that's fair. Yeah, I do think given especially the 1942-1943 betrayal that he is like, Damon's pushing me away. And if I extend any grace, like he's going to abandon me anyway. So why would I extend him the grace to like make him feel comfortable when he's going to abandon me? Like it's the same thing that they're both beating the other one to the punch or trying to do that. Like, you can't abandon me because I'm abandoning you. Exactly. I'm choosing to not let you in my life. You're not letting me down. And you just don't want to respect my decision. Like, I'm not hurting you. You just don't care enough about me. It's like, they're both just fighting to be the one that doesn't get abandoned. And then they both get abandoned. Yeah. Damon reaches into the sun and his hand burns. And Stefan says, you will get your daylight ring back when you decide to behave. Now answer my question. Why do you come back here? The truth is, is that Damon is being honest when he says why he's coming back here. But all Stefan can see now is that he came back here and he immediately fed on his family. So now it's like, are you just here to kill all these people? There's nothing Damon can say to prove that the reason he came back is to have a family. There's no way Stefan would believe that. And since Stefan won't believe it, Damon's like, well, I might as well do what you think I'm going to do anyway. Yeah. Now that's not a great reaction. Yeah. But it's how he responds to things at this point. Yeah. Damon tries to be a little bit vulnerable, though. He says, Mm -hmm. because I missed my brother, I wanted to have a connection to my humanity, to feel something again. And when I decided to come back home, it all came rushing back, just like I hoped it would. But again, he is fed on the two people Stefan asked him not to. So Stefan says, congrats. Now what? Well, I think this is evidence that Damon turned his humanity back on and went right home because he was like, if I don't do this at home, I'm going to turn it off again. Yeah. 
Like I need a support system here. And I, he, you know, hasn't told Stefan why he turned it off because I think Stefan is under the impression and he's usually under the impression that Damon's humanity is off. And so he's like, well, obviously you're lying to me about this because if you cared about me, you wouldn't have done this. Yeah. But Damon's just lashing out and self-sabotaging, but that is not a good enough reason to Stefan to act like this. And you have to remember that what Stefan last heard about Damon was that Damon very convincingly pretended to have his humanity on to Lexi and then tried to kill her. He thinks that Damon can't fool him that same way, but he's not 100% sure because now he just got fooled by Damon. Again, I do think he very quickly shuts, he's not ready to hear Damon's point of view now. And I think that's a fair reaction, but it is unfortunate. Well, I do think also Damon is not ready to share his point of view either. Yes. Like if Stefan had pushed to understand him, Damon would have still killed all these people just to be like, stop asking me. And that last line that Damon said was as vulnerable as he gets, because then he changes tactics because he knows that Stefan is already mad at him. Yeah, he can see that Stefan's not believing this, even if it's true. Damon says, well, let's just hit the road, okay? You and me. I'll let you drive my car, get you off this vegan diet, teach you how to feed again. It'll be great. What do you say? Just trust me. Because Damon's thought process is like, look, I can still be with my brother, but like, I have to do it just with him. Like, I can't fit into what he wants from me with all these people, like, I need to work with him and we can do this together. And I think he doesn't really want to change himself when he's doing that. But I think he's like, if I'm just with Stefan, then I don't have to like hurt these other people Mm -hmm. and let him down. Ironically, what they're both searching for is stability, but they have two very different versions of stability. Whereas Mm -hmm. Damon's version of stability is like me and my brother together. And Mm Stefan's version of stability is I need a home and a routine and other people to keep me honest. Yeah. And those things are not necessarily opposed, but they believe them to be opposed. Well, because I think Damon thinks that the place-based stability doesn't mesh with vampire lifestyles Mm -hmm. because he wants to have human blood and that leaves a trail behind that people can track. Yeah. But Stefan wants to have like roots in one place and that doesn't really go with how Damon likes to live. I mean, Stefan wants to live as close to a human life as possible and Damon wants to live as close to a vampire life as possible because humanity hurt Damon because he fell in love with Catherine who never even liked him and vampirism hurt Stefan and he became a ripper and evil. So they want to reject those parts and each other represent those things to them. Yeah, and they both, I think, have a hard time and, and, you know, we see this growth through both of them of like realizing where those two overlap and how to actually live your life. And like, it's not this dichotomy that you guys have been treating mm-hmm. it as all this time. Yeah. But they're still in the dichotomy phase right now. <laughs> exactly. A, I think Stefan's already closed off to Damon at this point. But B, I do think like this suggestion from Damon, he knows it's not fair. He knows it's not something Stefan's going to accept. And at this point, he just wants Stefan to completely exile him because he already feels like he's messed it up. I think he's kind of like, Stefan needs to exile me or like, I need to get him alone so he can see, take some time and understand why I'm doing this. But that's expecting a lot of grace from Stefan, given what Stefan knows. And I think Stefan takes this as kind of like, why do you want me to be away from these people I care about? Like, why are you trying to rip away, rip me away from my home? Mm -hmm. Like, I think they're both reading it differently than the intentions are. And the reason I end up siding with Stefan over Damon on this is I think Damon has a better understanding of what Stefan does and does not know than Stefan has of Damon. Like Damon knows how 1942 looks. He knows how 1977 looks. And he knows that his point of view is clearly not clear to Stefan. 
I think he needs to be a little bit more gracious to Stefan or be a little bit more vulnerable with Stefan. Now, of course, that's easier said than done, particularly for Damon. Mm -hmm. But that's why I end up siding with Stefan. I think that's partially true. But I do think part of it is that I think regardless, Stefan was not ready to accept Damon into his life. And I think he prides himself on being moral and capable of forgiveness. And I just don't think at this point in time, he's capable of forgiving his brother. I think he wanted to trust him and let him in. But I think any sign of like anything is like an automatic cutoff for Stefan right now, which I don't think is necessarily fair to Damon because I think Damon understands how all this looks to Stefan. I don't think he realizes like how like negative that really feels to Stefan because he understands that like not going to war was like something that probably would make his life easier. And I think he's hoped in these years since he's like done these things and left Stefan alone that Stefan has missed him. Yeah. And I think Stefan has been like, you know what, he doesn't care about me and pushed the missing away. And I think Damon expects Stefan to be a little happier to see him, which is naive. Yeah. But I think when he's been alone for so long and like just got all these emotions back, like that's what he's really hoping for. I respect that it's really hard for Stefan to be happy to see his brother right now, but it just makes my heart hurt for Damon that like he has no acceptance anywhere. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately for both of them, Damon is really good at pushing his emotions down and Stefan is excellent at compartmentalizing those emotions. Neither of them are quite adept in expressing them yet. Stefan is really good at taking his feelings for someone and putting them in a box and not touching them. Yeah. And ignoring them. And Damon is not good at ignoring them because they're always bubbling over. Yeah. But he just hasn't found a way to talk through any of them yet. Mm -hmm. I think you're right that Stefan would have seen any bad thing and like completely given up on Damon. But again, that's maybe why Damon shouldn't feed on Zach and Gail. I mean, I think Stefan would have been mad if he found out Damon was feeding on anyone. But there are people Damon could have fed on who Stefan wouldn't have figured out. I do think at the end of the day, though, Damon wanted Stefan to know. Subconsciously. I think subconsciously he was hoping that like this would happen and it would lead to some understanding from Stefan. And I just think Stefan's not ready to do that because he still has a lot of anger towards Damon. And I think Damon was just hoping like the brotherly bond would overcome some of that because I, I think no matter who he bit, if Stefan found out about a bite at all, he would have cut Damon off. And so I think Damon's like, I might as well try something a little bigger because he's probably going to cut me off regardless. So let me see like how far I can push him and see if I can like pull something out of him, I guess. And I will say the other thing is that as far as Damon is concerned, Stefan is his only family. And Stefan considers Zach his family. He considers Zach and Gail his family. Mm -hmm. And I think that is hurtful to Damon. However, like under the surface, he won't admit to yeah. it. But that there are people Stefan would pick over Damon is really hurtful to him because Damon, though he won't admit it, would pick Stefan over anyone. That Damon has taken all this time with his emotions off because he was so hurt that Stefan didn't come after him. And in that time... Stefan built a family where Damon wasn't able to do that. And it's like, so you can just have a family whether I'm here or not. Like, I'm irrelevant in your life. Unfortunately, Damon kind of was able to build a family. Uh, he was able to find a man like a brother, Enzo, who he then left to die in a fire. Well, but he didn't build that family. He got put in his cell. Yeah. So I think like- That's true, the, I'm kidding. The fact that's, but you know, fair enough, he had some friends. But I think Damon- sees that like, oh, Stefan could live without me and be fine. And whether he will admit it or not, I think he knows that he is not fine. 
yeah. living without his brother. And also, you know, Stefan's not fine living without Damon either, but Stefan is so mad right now, he can't say that to Damon, which is all Damon needs to hear. Because Damon's like, I just want my brother to miss me. And Stefan's like, I can't tell him I miss him because then he'll take advantage of me. Yeah. And it's like, this flash, he's taking advantage of you, of you regardless. That's a great sum up. Again, a therapist would have a field day with these two. There's a lot to work through on their end. And so Stefan starts getting mean now. Now he wants to do the pushing. He wants to hurt Damon the way Damon just hurt him. So he says, I can imagine a road trip with you. I can imagine you feeding on innocent people and leaving a trail of bodies behind. I can imagine you making me drink human blood and laughing at me while I suffer. Again, a lot of this is colored by Lexi's recent experience with him. Mm -hmm. His most recent memory. Damon says, way to be an optimist. Uh, Stefan doesn't take well to the jokes right now. Yeah, it's not the time, Damon. Stefan says, just look at the facts, Damon. 1912. You convinced me to drink human blood again, which is why I became a ripper. 1942, you almost pushed me off the rails again because you were so damn needy. 1977, you left my best friend to die after I sent her to come help you. And now I am finally happy. I have a new life. I'm doing well. And you just can't handle that, can you, Damon? I think it is true that Damon does want... Stefan to suffer a little bit. And I think a part of it is just that he wants him to be like honest about his emotions because then that yeah. will give Damon a free pass to be honest about his emotions. Mm -hmm. But no one wants to cry first. Yeah. Well, I think the part that is particularly hurtful of Stefan's ones before we get into the details is that he calls out specifically Damon for being needy. Yes. Which Damon is needy. He's emotionally needy and he wants love for his brother, but he never wants to be viewed that way. And I think yeah. that particularly... Like the idea that like him reaching out and wanting a relationship is like what turned Stefan away from him in that year. Yes, which is a crazy view of 1942, but we'll talk about that once yeah. we get to the year. But that's, I think, what is so hurtful about that. Yeah. Damon says, I'm not trying to screw up your dumb new life. First of all, by referring it to a dumb new yeah, life. Let's, let's not call it dumb, but, but I get it. And then Stefan gets really mean. Stefan says, you don't have to try, Damon. All you have to do is exist because no matter what I do or where I go, you will be with me forever, trying to destroy every single thing I've built. I don't know why I thought this time would be different. I, I wanted it to be different, but you just keep failing. Which is what is really hurtful to Damon is him basically saying, it doesn't matter what you do, you will always fail to me. Yeah, like, you can never be a good brother. You can never be a good person. You're just horrible to your core. Because that's what Damon is deeply afraid of, is that yeah. that's true. And if his own brother can't see redeeming qualities, how can anyone? Yeah. And to be fair, I mean, the thing is, Damon was truly trying here. But it's like the boy who cried wolf. Yeah. He has not been trying as hard in the past. And now he wants to be vulnerable. And Stefan's like, I cannot trust you to do this. Mm -hmm. Damon says, guess that's a no on the road trip, huh? And Stefan says, that's a no on the road trip heartbreaking scene. I think the relationship between these two brothers is one of the best parts about this show. It's just so rich with like the balance between love and hate and like different sides of how you react to things. And this scene in particular is like so meaty. And this is a lot of the problems we talked about with season five is it goes to these like bigger ideas and where this show really signs is like the nitty gritty personal relationships. And we're returning to that a lot early on in season six. Yeah. And I'm remembering how illuminating the episode when we learn about how they turned into vampires is for kind of the core of their issues mm -hmm. with each other. You know, you start the show and you're, it's like, oh, these two brothers have a strained relationship, whatever their siblings, it's strained. Yeah. And there's just such interesting fabric of it that we get through the show. And I think mm -hmm. this is a great check in of like, how bad it's gotten. Mm -hmm. And like, 
they don't even realize how how bad this is. Yeah. A lesser show would make this relationship a lot cleaner and mm-hmm. would make one of them a much easier villain. It's a testament to this show and to these characters that six seasons in, we can still have such a long debate about who is right and who is wrong. We're still fighting about Stefan versus Damon. And and we will be till the end, baby. <laughs> we go back to the dive bar in Savannah. Stefan quickly stares at a guy at a bar. We'll check in with him in a second. <laughs> yeah. Elena says, okay, so according to Caroline, Sarah is still MIA and now Enzo's missing. Stefan says, probably out killing someone else's girlfriend. Okay. It's like, okay, we're still on that. I love Caroline's whole role in this. She's like, I'm still the only one working right now. I know. Like, one of our friends is missing and you guys are just hanging out in Georgia again. Elena goes to drink her beer, but Stefan says, hey, you're pregnant, remember? Meanwhile, this table has like seven beers and like a fruity little drink. And it's like, now the pregnancy joke comes out. Yeah. Elena says, that is the dumbest lie I've ever told. Can I just take that one back? Stefan says, no, but you'll have to reinvent yourself in 30 years. If you don't, people will start asking why you're not getting any older. It's like, I can't take back one lie the whole 30 years. Yeah. I was going to have to take that lie back anyway when I didn't have a kid. Also, I don't want to live here. Yeah. Elena says, but when I first met you, you said you'd been away from Mystic Falls for 15 years. What made you come back ahead of schedule? And he says, you said it yourself. I met you. He says, since 1864, I've been a carpenter an ambulance driver, a migrant worker, a high school student. So much time packed with these jobs. Yeah. <laughs> Number one, high school student, not a job. Number two, ambulance worker, ambulance driver. That couldn't have been a good job for you with the bloodlust. Maybe that was during his ripper phase. Maybe. And number three, carpenter and migrant worker fits with mechanic, where it's clearly like he just wants things to do with his hands because he can't be in his mind. Yeah, carpenter's a good one. I could see him doing that. I don't know why you'd pick migrant worker. Yeah. You don't get paid well. You get horribly mistreated. He seems to like being not well paid. I think it makes him feel more human. Well, I think he likes to be disrespected because then he feels like his guilt is like it helps his guilt to like, this is my penance, you know? Yeah, he likes to suffer because it's penance. And again, working so hard, he will be too tired to go out and kill someone he hopes. That is a plus. Elena says, then why auto mechanic for $200 a week? And he says, no reason. Elena says, yeah, it must be hard. All that change without a constant in your life. It's like, okay, that's a dig. And then she says, we haven't talked about your brother. And it's like, oh, Elena, I fear we're in trouble here. I know, girl. (laughs) He says, it's a little weird for you to refer to Damon as just my brother. And she says, what else would I call him? You can tell he's on the edge because he knows that like, there's no reason she would call him anything else. He's like, no, I've got to say something. And he's easing into it because he's like, I know I really shouldn't. Mm-hmm. But he's like, but you're pissing me off. Yeah, she's really pissing him off. But she's been mostly, it seems like she's about to like leave him alone. So he's like, whatever, I'm not going to start this fight. Yeah. So he says, I don't even know anymore what you call him. And she says, what do you mean anymore? And he says, you know what? It's not important. Things change, right? To change. She also toasts to change. <laughs> what she thinks the change is they're toasting to. I guess him moving. Yeah. Then we go back to the prison world. Kai is holding up the ascendant to the sky and he's looking through it. And Damon says, you are wandering around like a crazy man. Why? Kai says, I'm looking for the exact right spot. I need to find where the power of the eclipse is focused. And Bonnie says, you know, you could have just shown us the ascendant to begin with. And Kai says, yeah, but I wanted to feel your hand on my chest. He's like, I'm being silly. It's my whole thing. Because also to him, what's another couple days here? Yeah. 
he'll wait. <laughs> Bonnie says, there's something not right about him. And Damon says, you're just not used to guys hitting on you. Bonnie says, I can't wait to get out of here and talk to somebody else. Damon says, can we just have a few last seconds of peace while that idiot uses that thing to get the stars to align? Bonnie spots a newspaper on the ground, one of Damon's paper airplanes. She picks it up and reads. There's a headline that says, family massacred in Portland. Now, I didn't see Portland when I first saw it. So I was like, oh, Damon massacred a whole family. But that's not what it was. I was I was off. <laughs> they continue to follow Kai. And Damon says, hey, what's up with the nature walk? And Kai says, I used the Ascendant to figure out where we need to be standing during the eclipse. Damon says, great, let's do some magic. Let's get the hell out of here. And Bonnie says, Oregon. Damon says, what? Bonnie says, I've read this paper like a thousand times. There's something in it about Oregon. And Damon says, what about it? And Bonnie says, hey, you know how Kai said he had all those brothers and sisters? Family massacred in Portland. The only one missing was the oldest boy, a 22-year-old named Malachi. And Kai doesn't even deny this. Because he's eavesdropping. That's all he does with these two. Yeah. Kai says, who names a kid Malachi? It's like they wanted me to be evil. I have to agree with him there. Bonnie says, all these kids were murdered. And Kai says, hello, not everyone died. I had a soft spot for one of my sisters. Otherwise, I would have cut out her lungs, not just her spleen, because you can survive without a spleen. And it's like, okay, buddy, you sound a little evil, but I'm not hating him. It's not having that effect. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> Damon says, something tells me you're not speaking hypothetically. Oh, how'd you figure that one out? <laughs> Kai says, okay, look. And he points to the paper and he says, these two, I hung off a stairwell railing. Then I put a hunting knife in her abdomen. Him, I drowned in the pool. He kept fighting me, and I was like, I saved you for last, you ungrateful little... Anyway, that was that. Bonnie says, so you just killed your whole family. And he says, coven, to be precise. You know, family of witches. So interesting, Gemini coven. Damon says, you've been making us jump through hoops and you're a witch. And he says, sort of, yeah, no powers, obviously. Oh, and of course the Gemini coven did not take it too well when they heard what I did in Portland. That's why they banished me here. And Bonnie says, this place is a prison. They created it for you. And he says, yep, this isn't your hell, Damon. It's mine. So there's a ton to unpack here. We know that Kai killed four of his siblings and he left one sibling to live and he cut out her spleen. Why do you think he killed all of them? I mean, I'm, again, assuming that Liv and Luke are in this Gemini coven. So I'm acting as though that's truth. I recognize that may not be. That's what I'm believing now. So I'm going to act like that. Okay. So Liv and Luke, we know, don't like their coven. Their coven is like evil, not a good family. So I'm not necessarily certain that this is like the work of a villain. There may be some either evil threads that were going yeah. through them or that like the coven was coming after them and he kind of, it was like a mercy killing. So do you think the villain in this scenario is Kai or the Gemini coven? I think the Gemini coven. Okay. Do you think he knows or knew Liv and Luke? We can assume if they are around the same age as Elena and Caroline, they were about two in 1994. I think like he may know of them. I mean, I think since this is a different family, it appears we have to assume he's not their brother because if he left one girl alive, where'd the other twin come from, you know? But I think he knows of like their parents at least. Do you think we will meet his sister who he left to live? Yeah, since it's a drop that she's left to live. What are your expectations about her, if any? So that's a good question. There's also the question that comes up of, does the rest of the family have powers? Or did he have powers and they were taken away when he got put here? Mm -hmm. I think those are a couple unclear things. I think it seems like he's never had powers. He's always been this kind of other thing that we'll get to later. I think it really depends on what this sibling situation looked like, 
He said this is his youngest sister he left alive, right? He just said, I had a soft spot for one of my sisters. He doesn't say where in the birth order she was. And so it may be that like the rest of the family was getting corrupted by this Gemini coven and she was not, or like that there was some way to kind of save her from this and separate her from the coven and get her like out. And then he got stuck in the prison world. I think we also have to raise the possibility that this sister was also involved in killing these siblings. Okay. And that part of him taking the blame for it was protecting her. So maybe he cut out her spleen to cover for her so that she could not go into the prison world, but maybe be alive to like defeat the Gemini Coven, essentially. Yeah. Or maybe just get out of it somehow. I'm envisioning the Gemini Coven as kind of cult-like. I see where you're getting that. And the last thing I want to talk about with this conversation is this is now confirmation, or at least based on what Kai has told us, that this particular prison world, this day was created for him to like trap him alone. What do you make of that drop, if anything? What's interesting about that is that I think that Grams just took advantage of this already being created. Yeah. And it was a place for Bonnie because we have no reason to believe that this prison world that like he was meant to go to Mystic Falls. We don't see a connection between him and Mystic Falls necessarily. So I think Grams thought potentially like she could just drop them in here and they wouldn't run into him. It seems like people here have free reign over the world. They don't have to say Mystic Falls. Yeah, it seems like it's the whole day rather than, you know, just one spot. How do you think Sheila knew about this? Did she know that the Gemini Coven was in the business of creating a prison? Or do you think that she was just asking around looking for anything? Do you think she knew about it before she was looking for a place for Bonnie or after? I think she knew about this. I think this would be something that witches would be aware of, that it was like, kind of creating a new world just to send someone to is like a big move to make. And like a whole kind of alternate world for one person. I think it's also something that I'm sure witches are aware when there's someone like Kai who like can pull power from other witches. Because I do think that is something that is really damning that I think is possibly just as big of a reason why he's in this prison world as the killing of these siblings. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that is a very dangerous thing because then witches don't have control over what that person does and they can actively hurt witches. And witches, if anything, are loyal to each other. And if there's someone who threatens their livelihood in that way, like, I think that would be something that would spread through different covens. And if they put him somewhere where he, there's no magic to pull, then he can't do any magic. Because that was one thought of like, why would they put him on this day that had a solar eclipse, a day that you could potentially pull power from. But I think, you know, they intended him to be here alone forever. Why do you think they put him on a day with a solar eclipse? Do you think it was just because that's the day he happened to kill his family? I think it is the day he happened to kill his family. Because I don't know, they they had to know, well, I don't know. The solar eclipse is part of like what makes this ascendant work. Maybe they didn't know that he would have access to the ascendant in this world. Mm -hmm. But I guess it doesn't really matter if there's no magic. Maybe it was an extra point of torture to say like, look, if you had any powers, you could get out of here. But like, maybe it was a taunting approach. Do you think there's something else he needs on top of the Ascendant and the Eclipse to get out of here? I think witch power. Just any witch? Yeah. Again, I have to bring up the connection of Grams to Whitmore and Liv and Luke to Whitmore. I think that connection of potentially Grams to, again, the Assumption, the Gemini Coven, Mm -hmm. is something that can inform that. And it may be that, Sheila knew that he was in there and he had a way to get out if he had a witch or maybe specifically a Bennett witch. I don't think it's specifically a Bennett witch, but I think she purposely knew that not only could she put Bonnie here, but potentially there was a way out of it. 
obviously Grams wants Bonnie to be able to get out of here. Do you think Grams also wanted Bonnie to get Kai out? Do you think Grams had some beef with the Gemini coven and she thinks he was put in here unfairly? I think it's one of those things that putting someone in a prison world indefinitely just doesn't vibe with like balance of nature type witches. Like, I think that's something that feels very final and culty in a way that I don't think Grams would necessarily root for. Mm -hmm. I don't know that she necessarily wants Kai out, but I think she had to know that the way Bonnie would get out of this situation is that she would meet Kai. I think she's trusting Bonnie to pull the hero out of this story, essentially. But I do, I would lean that she wants Kai out as well, that that Grams does or did. (laughs) She's at peace now. Who cares? Yeah. I think it has to be the understanding that Kai had of everything and also the understanding that he could get her to do magic again Mm -hmm. because she was trying that too but I think Grams wanted someone who like would push her to do that because she hadn't done magic in a while we go out to the woods in Mystic Falls uh, not in Mystic Falls outside the border for sure (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy and Alaric are like spurring Alaric back to his training people to fight Jeremy says you call this a fair fight you're basically an original vampire it's like, and you're a supernatural vampire hunter. We're matched. <laughs> Alert gets him in a headlock and says, you've killed an original before. Now get your head in the game and maybe you'll keep it out of the bottle. Jeremy taps Alaric's arm as if to say uncle. And then Alaric lets go and Jeremy flips him. So that's not really a fair fight. Who's fighting fair now? Jeremy says happy. And Rick says, look, I'm trying to help you pull yourself together, Jeremy. What is your problem? And Jeremy says, my problem? My problem is that everyone thinks I shouldn't have one. I have the right to be messed up right now. Bonnie is dead. She knew it was going to happen. And she told me goodbye over the phone. Just so you... And then he cuts himself off. I understand that he feels this way. Everybody respects that you should be hurt by this. They're not respecting how you're handling it. Yeah. But to be fair, no one's handling any of this well. But I respect that this is very difficult for him. And this is a form of betrayal. But like everybody lost people and also no one is saying like you need to get over bonnie everyone's just like hey maybe don't drink all day like maybe let's try some other coping mechanisms and i know that like he doesn't want to hear about everyone's coping mechanisms but like the person who's being there for him is matt and say what you will about matt he handles things in a pretty healthy way so far that we've seen besides the one suicide attempt but that wasn't like a suicide attempt that he wanted to kill himself that was actually a useful plan and you know it did work yeah i mean even you know matt's been grieving vicky since season one and he handled that pretty well and he also he takes the time to speak about vicky and speak about his grief and how it still hurts him without making it everybody else's problem not to be a matt donovan stan yeah but But he did lose his sister and he's handling it better than some of y'all and he doesn't get on his high horse about how well he grieved Vicky, which is another great thing. Yeah. He's not like, look at me. I got over my sister. He's like, man, I know how hard that is for you. Yeah. Rick says, no, Jeremy, keep going. So what? So I can come back to life, right? Jeremy says, you, Elena, Stefan, Tyler, Enzo. She saved everybody but herself. It's unfortunate, but like she made that choice. And yeah, it's unfair that she didn't give you that information, but she wanted to not be sad the last few days with you. It's not really fair to you, but she told you why she did this. Yeah. Rick says, listen, Jeremy, you want to talk about resentment? Is that it? Buckle up, bitch. He said, if you want to make this a competition, I will win. He says, my wife ran away because she would rather be a vampire than be married to me. Rest in peace, Isabel. That alone kind of beats Jeremy. I'll say it. We forget about how Isabel really hurt Alert because that was so early on. But damn, that was fucked up. It was fucked up. (laughs) Alert keeps going. Come to find out it was Damon who turned her. 
And then she died. And then Jenna, she died. I died. And then the guy who killed my wife died. And I actually kind of miss him. And then the guy who killed my wife died. Turns out that guy's my best fucking friend, evidently. (laughs) (laughs) And now I can't even talk to a girl without fantasizing about tearing into her neck. I mean, Jeremy, I have resentment for years. I get it, okay? But I find a way to keep going because that's what we do. We find a way to keep going, okay? Now, maybe Alaric should have given this talk to Elena before he erased all her memories. But hindsight's twenty twenty, I guess. He's going through his own shit that nobody respects. No one ever is like, how's Alaric doing? It's Alaric and Caroline fucking carrying the weight of all these people. Yeah. And also because Alaric's like, I, and I can't even choose to forget any of that because who would compel me? Yeah. No one. No one can compel me. And I can't even kill myself because we don't even have a white oak steak anymore. Yeah. I can't even die. So Jeremy and Rick go back to fighting. We go back to the dive bar in Savannah. Elena and Stefan are getting up to leave, or at least Elena is. Elena switches her daylight ring from her wedding finger to her right hand. Okay. Sure. Everyone was really looking close for those clues. Yeah, everyone was talking about you guys all day. Yeah. You were the stars of the whole bar. <laughs> she says, so, if we were to run into each other in some random town in 30 years, do we pretend we're strangers? And he says, I'm avoiding Mystic Falls, not you. I'll punch you in the face. <laughs> Why well, You're avoiding Caroline, too. You're avoiding everything. You're only saying you're not avoiding Elena, so she'll leave you alone. Yeah, so that you can go back to avoiding her. <laughs> he says, we can talk, we can visit, and if you ever need car repair... I can get the parts to you at cost. Well, bitch, then I'll go to a mechanic who I can compel who can give me them for free. I'll compel them for free. They hug. She says bye, Stefan, and she leaves. Stefan immediately goes up to the guy sitting at the bar who we've seen too many times for him not to have any lines. Yeah, he's like, okay, I'm finally done with that show, that charade. He says, hey, man. And then he drinks the guy's whiskey and says, notice you weren't celebrating my engagement. How come? And the guy says, well, it's hard to be happy for the guy who put my brother in the hospital. And Stefan says, oh, right, okay. Remind me which guy it was. Broken nose or fractured arm. I was kind of drunk. Still waiting for the congrats on my engagement. And he clearly wants this dude to fight him because then he grabs the guy's face, like makes him mouth. I'm really happy for you. And he does a stupid voice. It's like, okay, you want to get hit so bad. And it's like, buddy, you haven't been doing anything handling this well. And this is somehow worse. Yeah. I already was not a fan of how you were coping with this, and you just made it worse. Yeah. The guy smashes a beer bottle on Stefan's head, and Stefan says, that all you got? Come on, man, hit me. So Stefan lets the guy beat him up, so obviously he's doing super healthy and awesome. And if you're, like, kicking the shit out of someone and they're laughing, go. That's not a fight you need to be in. There's no winning that fight. He's going to out-crazy you. Yeah. Um, so Stefan is giggle giggling on the floor, getting kicked in his head because he's like, <laughs> finally, I feel something. And it's like, buddy, take a fucking hydrocodone at this point. Like, yeah. So the guy is not even having any fun beating him up. He says, are you freaking enjoying this, you sick freak? Which, of course, pisses him off more. So he keeps beating up and it's like, buddy, you're losing this. Elena Vampire runs in. She gets the guy off Stefan and she compels him. She says, go home, clean up, forget this ever happened. The guy leaves. Elena turns to Stefan and says, what the hell are you doing? Now, isn't it obvious? It's pretty clear. We go back to the prison world. Bonnie and Damon are walking together. Bonnie says, I'm not letting Kai out of here. He just said he's a serial killer. Like, I mean, yes, technically, because it was more than three. But I mean, we don't know anything about his family. I'm just saying. You're not ready to condemn him. For I'm not yet. ready to call him a villain for this. I mean, yeah. 
ideally he wouldn't have killed like younger siblings. It's it's not good. But you want some more information. Yeah, I, I need to know what his family was doing. Because he's being too cutie sweetie pie for me to turn yeah. against him. I mean, I, I just think he had a reason. Yeah. Damon says, I really don't care. I just want to get out of here. And Bonnie says, how can you not care? Because of all the horrible things you've done? Maybe because killing a bunch of kids is not a big deal to someone who's murdered a pregnant woman. Am I wrong? Then we go back to 1994 Mystic Falls. Zach and Stefan are walking down the hallway and Stefan says, hey, did you leave the door open? And Zach says, no, why? Then they hear some screaming. (laughs) Yeah, do the math, guys. Yeah, so they run into another room and Stefan and Zach find a room full of dead people and in the center of it all, Damon is holding Gail. So I was like, oh, so he didn't kill the pregnant woman. Yeah. twist. (laughs) Damon says, this eclipse party blows. I didn't see the sun at all when it came across the yard. This is Stefan's fault, is that he puts him in an unlocked shed without his daylight ring because he's like, oh, he can't move until the sun sets. He forgot about the eclipse, though. Yeah. This is like the one day that doesn't work. That's bad on Stefan. And, you know, it's one thing if you don't know the eclipse is happening, but you're throwing an eclipse party. Let's just keep an eye on uh, your guests during the eclipse. Damon says, you forget how much stronger we are when we drink human blood. Gail says, Zach. (laughs) Zach says, Damon, please don't hurt her. And Damon says, I want my ring back, Stefan. Uh, He just tosses the ring back. And Stefan says, I'm never going to be rid of you, am I? And Damon says, no, you're not. Because in 1912, I showed you who you were. In 1942, I gave you your freedom. And in 1977, I almost killed your best friend because it should have been you who came there to help me. You owe me, and it'll take you an eternity to pay me back. So let's talk about their two views of these years and which one we think is more right in each case. 1912. Damon says he showed Stefan who he was. Stefan says, you made me drink human blood, which made me become a ripper. I think Stefan's a little bit righter there. I mean, Damon showed him he's a ripper. Yes, but I do think Stefan is more right to be mad. I, I guess, who do you think has more of a right to be mad about these events? In this case, okay. I think Stefan has more of a right to be mad. I will say Stefan has more of a right to be mad, but with the exception that Damon didn't know he was turning Stefan into a ripper. He had no reason to expect that this kind of reaction to blood would come about. He thought that he was helping Stefan be a better vampire, and it took a turn that he could not have foreseen. Now, Stefan doesn't care if he could have foreseen it because he still caused it. So I think Stefan has a right to be mad, but I think Damon is not to blame for it necessarily. I think Damon acts like he had no hand in the matter, and that's not really true. I think Damon takes it as like, I didn't intend for that to happen. Intent is irrelevant. It did happen. So I think there is some responsibility to be taken for Damon. And also how Damon is characterizing this is, I showed you who you were, as if that was the helpful thing. Yeah. I think he's saying it is like, your real self just came out. Like, I didn't do that, which I do think there's like, it's like he didn't purposely do it, but that doesn't mean that his actions didn't lead to it. He did cause it, even though I don't, I agree he didn't intend to. 1942, Damon says, I gave you your freedom. Stefan says, you almost pushed me off the rails again because you were so damn needy. Damon is right here. Damon is more right, but again, with the caveat. Stefan didn't know Damon was giving him his freedom. Stefan thought Damon was abandoning him. And before that, we'll remember, Stefan and Lexi hanging out with Damon and Charlotte, the girl he sired, (laughs) then killed a bunch of people in front of him. Again, Damon didn't know about the sire bond at that point. But at this point, 
Damon did know that that would get closer to pushing Stefan off the edge, particularly with the 1912. Again, I do think Damon is more right here, but I do think Stefan is right to be angry with Damon about how things shook out. See, I do think Damon is right to be angry that Stefan just assumed he abandoned him. Stefan is right to be angry with how it shook out. But I think Stefan is more wrong here because of the way he words this. I think it's the same thing as the 1912 thing, but opposite. You ruined my life because you were so needy. It's like you ruined my life by trying to have a relationship with me. And Damon, in his mind, he's like, I didn't force the relationship on you. And I and now you're mad at me about it anyway. Yeah. Like I said, this is the most cutting thing Stefan says. Damon did something selfless. And of course, true selflessness, you don't say that you were being selfless, but then you don't get credit for it either. So, Well, and also I think calling that action selfless on Damon's part gives him quite a bit of credit because he didn't make that decision on his own. He had to be like pushed into it quite severely. He was told to do it, but he actually did do it. But I think part of that was not fully selfless. It was like, well, I guess if I do this, I don't have to like, I don't have to be better. And then the last one, 1977. Stefan says, you left my best friend to die after I sent her to come help you. And Damon says in 1977, I almost killed your best friend because it should have been you there to help me, Stefan. Damon's more right, but again, that Stefan had no idea. I don't know. I do think, I mean, and this is one of Stefan's fatal flaws. They're both fatal flaws. Mm -hmm. Both of them have the same fatal flaw. They expect what works for them to work for the other. And I think Stefan knew that he was not in a good enough place, not a steady enough place to help Damon turn his humanity back on. He knew Mm -hmm. that if he went, he would make him evil and it was hurtful that then Damon would want to kill Lexi although to be honest what did you fucking expect but I do think that Damon is right to say like it should have been you there to help me you sent Lexi but Stefan understands like only what works for him he's got blinders on he's an addict so he's like if Lexi helped me she'll definitely be able to help Damon and Lexi love her to death talk about a little bit on a high horse love her to death but she does kind of think she can help anybody and most of the time she can so she's usually right She fell for a lot of Damon's tricks in 1977 because she's so sure she's good at helping people. Well, I think in Stefan's mind, she is the best one to help someone because it worked for him. And I think he felt like Damon abandoned me. Damon's not going to stick with me long enough for me to help him the way he needs to be helped. Mm -hmm. So I'll like send in the big guns. And I think it's particularly hurtful given what Damon went through. That again, that piece Stefan can't know that not only should Stefan have come to help him, but like, after I was waiting and fighting through all this for you, and then you just send backup to me, which like mm-hmm. Stefan didn't view Lexi as backup, but obviously that's how Damon saw it. Yeah. And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe Stefan is more right here because, <laughs> because <laughs> of course, <laughs> I was like, oh, 1977, I'm going to think Damon's right. One thing that I think is a part of this, I still kind of think Damon is right to wish that it was Stefan there. But I do think that given 1912 and 1942, In 1912, they try to help each other. Stefan becomes a ripper. In 1942, they kind of try to help each other. Damon leaves and Stefan doesn't become a ripper. And so he probably in his mind was like, that's because Damon left, which let's not unpack that. (laughs) But so in 1977, he's like, well, I can't go back and help Damon because like best case scenario, it doesn't work. And worst case scenario, he brings me down with him because those are the only two data points he has at that. And he's very like, if A, then B. He's not one for nuance, Mr. Stefan Salvatore. Yeah. They both want to be able to take care of each other. But at this point, Stefan is like, clearly I'm not capable of that. And it makes them feel so insecure that they don't know how to take care of each other. They're like, I should be better at this. I'm like 100 years old. And also that, you know, they don't face this themselves, but they can't really take care of themselves. 
Yeah. So then Damon does bite and kill Gail. So he does kill the pregnant woman. What a twist. Yeah. So mm, not, not, not your move. best. <laughs> Damon says an eternity of misery, brother, just like I promised. He vampire runs off. Zach runs to Gail. We go back to the prison world. And Kai says, ouch, poor nephew, Uncle Zach. <laughs> you and Zach died and I was sad about it. Yeah, literally like, oh, poor nephew, Uncle Zach. <laughs> you were like, what? <laughs> Damon says, Stefan compelled Uncle Zach to forget about the girlfriend and the baby. So Zach had no idea yeah. about Gail or the eventual baby. Which makes sense why uh, Zach let Damon in at all at the start of the show. Exactly. Because when you first hear the story, it's like, man, and he let him back in? Yeah. Damon says, but Stefan couldn't cover up all those murders. So the Founders Council was restarted and Stefan took off. Left Mystic Falls for about 15 years. We both did. And then he says, when I saw Uncle Zach again, I couldn't look at him without remembering I had ruined everything. So it was a nice relief when I got to kill him. This is their favorite way to humanize Damon for killing someone. They did this same thing with Lexi. With Lexi. He was like, she's a reminder of how evil I was. So I killed her. It's like, okay, well, that's not really a normal reaction. (laughs) They want to give us like a reason why he killed them. So it's not evil. It's like, I had already justified both of those. Yeah. The justification you used the first time worked. I was good with it. I don't need it tortured me to look at them. Then don't look at them. It's really not that difficult. I don't care. Damon says, okay, can we go back now? And Kai says, come on, Bonnie, you want to go home to your friends? I want to give the rest of the Gemini coven an excruciating death. Win, win. Damon says, look, Bonnie, I know this guy's not a model citizen, but I got to get back, not just for Elena, but for my brother. And Bonnie says, I'm sorry, Damon. And Kai says, okay, well, sorry doesn't work for me. And he goes like to get at Bonnie a little bit, but Damon stops and pushes him away and says, hey, we might be having a disagreement, but don't ever lay a hand on her. And Kai says, well, it's actually kind of a non-issue now because we missed today's eclipse. Rain check for tomorrow. Bonnie says, no. He's like, you guys will get over this, right? Yeah. Everyone sleep on it. Then we go over to Tripp's van. Tripp is driving around with Matt. Matt says, you and the sheriff don't seem to get along. Tripp says, Liz and my wife were high school rivals. Some issue about who was captain of the field hockey team. I'm pretty sure what Liz actually hates about you is your fake unverified police force. Not a high school rivalry, but okay. (laughs) Because let's be honest, Liz won the high school rivalry. I know that woman ran a field hockey team like the Navy. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Matt says, oh, you're married? Because he's like, you spent a lot of time with young teenage boys for a married man. Yeah. Tripp says, I was. Chris died in a car accident. And immediately it's like, okay. <laughs> immediately it was like, no, she didn't. Yeah. Matt says, oh, sorry. And Tripp says, that's why I left Mystic Falls. Too many memories. And Matt says, so what'd you tell the sheriff about Jay? Tripp says, you know, I just said what I saw. Tons of blood, probably a mountain lion. And Matt says, just another animal attack, huh? It's really like, gonna say it this is also i mean that little comment about animal attacks some of matt's best work because that is how the founders council like reveals to each other that they know about vampires yeah they're like that sounds crazy a lot of animal attacks when it's a great way for him to like say that is kind of a weird lie and you know i wouldn't have thought about it had jay not said this and really blamed jay for it oh yeah this is so genius trip says you sound doubtful and matt says this is gonna sound weird you gotta start it with, this is gonna sound kind of crazy. Yeah. He says, but last night, Jay told me he was tracking a vampire. I mean, that's crazy, right? And what's also interesting about this is this is kind of how Matt originally was concerned about vampires. He said, Vic said something about a vampire. That's crazy, right? So excellent work from Matt here. Yeah. 
Trip says, I'm going to show you something. Because he said, that's enough. Trip said, I guess I can fully trust this guy. No way he has an ulterior motive. No way this guy with this giant, clearly magic ring (laughs) knows anything. We go back over to the dive bar. Stefan is sitting at the bar, uh, you know, cleaning blood off his face and says, I thought you agreed to leave. And she says, well, I forgot my jacket. What happened with that guy? And Stefan says, well, I told you I have a system. Elena says, letting somebody kick your ass so you can feel. He says, yeah, you got it there. That's it. Stefan says, you know, you're the last person who should be lecturing me on coping mechanisms. And she's like, why? I'm coping so good. She's like, actually, I'm really good at coping. I'm over it. She says, you know, you're not alone in your grief, Stefan. I lost Bonnie when you lost Damon, but I fought through it. And Stefan says, yeah, all by yourself. (laughs) Like he just, he can't do it anymore. Because first of all, she stopped him from getting beat up. So now he has anger left over. And now she's saying this shit to him. Everyone agreed. They're like, we'll let you get away with this. But everyone underestimated just how annoying she would be once she forgot about Damon. Yeah. They're like, wow, she is, talk about holier than thou. Yeah, she is on a high horse. She says, yes, all by myself. And it was heard. Okay. Um, (laughs) And she says, look, I know you're pushing me away because I never liked Damon. And Stefan says, believe me, that's not what it is. Stefan's like, that could not be more incorrect. And she says, and I know he's your brother. I get it. But why inflict so much pain on yourself for such a hateful person? He doesn't deserve your grief. There's got to be another way you can move on. Even if you really did hate Damon, this is rude. Yeah, this is rude about someone's brother. Don't say this to a guy who obviously is mourning him. Well, who's obviously doing a bad job mourning him. Yeah. So Stefan can't take it anymore. He's like, that's the last fucking straw. He said, sorry, I just can't forget him like you, Elena. And Elena says, no one's forgetting him. Gaslighter. You are, you forgot. He says, you are, you erased him. She said, I don't remember that. (laughs) She says, what are you talking about? And he says, oh my God, you had Alaric compel you to forget every good thing Damon ever did. You made him a monster in your own mind because you couldn't handle the grief of losing him. And she says, "Mm, that doesn't sound like me. (laughs) That really doesn't sound like me because I'm so good at grief. Remember? I'm really good at getting through grief. So like, I wouldn't have done that. She said, no, I wouldn't have done that because like, he's a monster and also... I'm like really evolved when it comes to grief. So nothing makes sense. Your story falls apart immediately. (laughs) She says, I don't believe anything you're saying. Why would I do that? Stefan says, because you were in love with him and he was in love with you. And when Damon died, a part of you died too. And she says, no, I mean, how could I possibly love Damon? Stefan says, yeah, believe me. I asked myself that for a very long time. Yeah, he's (laughs) like, don't worry. That was a fair question. And then he says, and eventually I saw it. Damon inspired you. He pushed you to own the darkest parts of yourself. And when you died, he was the only one that could make you feel alive again. And you made him feel human. You love Damon for the same reasons I love Damon. Because in spite of every single thing that he did, we couldn't live without him. And now you don't have to, but I do. So I'm going to do it my way. You can do it yours. Yeah, because he's like, you can't really tell me how to react to this because you don't actually have to deal with it anymore. Then we go over to some burn in the woods. Trip and Matt pull up to it. And Matt says, what is this place? And Trip says, a secret. Like, okay, a secret what? Elaborate. (laughs) He says, a secret I only share with people I trust. And it's actually really easy to gain my trust. (laughs) It takes six hours. At most. He says, you remember the gas leak in town over the summer? And Matt says, yeah, in fact, I caused it. In fact, I was really central to that. Trip says, well, I came back to make sure my grandmother was okay. 
first time I've been back in years. And when I crossed the border, something changed. Memories came flooding back. And I realized that my wife didn't die in a car accident. She was murdered, drained of her blood right in front of me. And the killer made me believe I was responsible. This opens the can of worms, which we knew was coming from what happened to Sarah, is that like anyone who walks into Mystic Falls, all their compulsion comes undone, any compulsion. Mm -hmm. So this does open a little bit of a can of worms that we don't really address, that like a lot of compulsions got undone. Like Matt's been compelled a number of times. All those memories came back. He finally got to remember that he really figured Catherine out above everyone. He said, oh, fuck yes. I can't believe he's not celebrating that at all. He's like, damn, a lot of people compelled me. Jeremy finally gets to remember how Vicky died explicitly. He gets to remember the sight of her dead body. No wonder he's drinking. (laughs) And so some of these, like, they don't go addressed because at this point, like, I mean, Jeremy in particular knew most of the things that he got compelled away, if not, like, in the front of his mind, like, he was told about them. So the memories probably didn't make, like, a big dent. Or yeah. like we saw Liz get compelled earlier in this episode in 1994 that she didn't remember yeah. meeting Stefan and Damon. But of course, when that memory comes back, it's like a memory of a party in the 90s. Like it didn't disrupt her day to day. Or like, I guess there was the one time that they compelled her to forget Caroline was a vampire, but then they told her again anyway. So she's probably like, oh, I learned that twice. But like yeah. that wasn't, that's not relevant anymore. Like a lot of these are smaller things that we can ignore, but it's just funny to think about like they'd cut the gas line and gone out and then they're like, hey, I just remembered something. <laughs> Well, I'll say this about, you know, this reveal that Tripp's wife was killed by a vampire. We have to throw out the Damon guess. He loves to kill wives. Yeah, and he loves to be in the road specifically, so. Mm -hmm. We don't know exactly when Tripp's wife died, so we don't know if technically Damon was in town, but like, could have been 1994. Yeah, could have done this right after the eclipse. (laughs) Tripp says, I had to find out what kind of monster could do all that. He opens the door to this shed, and there is Enzo in chains. And Mm -hmm. Enzo and Matt are just like looking at each other. You can see that they're both like, don't acknowledge that we know each other, okay? He said, be cool. (laughs) Because you can see Enzo make a face like, what the fuck is he doing here? (laughs) Like, should I be concerned? Trip says, vampires, they are real. And then Enzo's like, huh, okay. I don't know why he's telling him this. Enzo's like, he knows that. (laughs) But to Enzo's credit, he does like keep a poker face. Yeah, both of them keep their mouths shut. And even Enzo, you can like see a glimmer of recognition, but he hides it. Trip says, one murdered my wife, but this is the one who murdered Jay. Matt knows this because Enzo brought Jay's body to him. Trip says, and I need him to name all his vampire buddies, starting with the one who bit your friend, Sarah. And Enzo's like, good luck torturing that out of me. Yeah, and also Matt's <laughs> like, I know that one. It's Elena. <laughs> yeah, he's like, mm, I don't think he's going to tell you that because I'm not going to let him. And he probably yeah. wouldn't anyway. So Matt and Enzo look at each other. Obviously, Enzo is trying to communicate. Tell someone I'm here. Tell Caroline, preferably. Yeah. Don't tell Stefan. I have no concerns about Enzo getting out of this or dealing with torture. That's like all he's been bred to do at this point. That's just Tuesday, baby. He's like, hey, at least you're not going for my eyes this time. I'm happy to have a break from that. Tripp's not even actively torturing him during the day. So he's like, oh, I just have to sit here? Yeah, I can handle that. Yeah, he's like, trust me, I'm fine. (laughs) I'll be okay. We go over to the Salvatore house. Jeremy walks in and Sarah's there. Sarah says, you try anything and I call 911 and out your vampire sister to the world. Oh no, not 911. Don't call the sheriff. Don't call the sheriff of Mystic Falls. (laughs) Oh, I'm shaking. (laughs) Jeremy says, just take it easy, okay? What do you want? And she says, answers. This is not the right person to go for answers, but... She says, I found this when I was tossing the house last night. It's the Polaroid of Zach and Gail that Stefan took. 
And she says, that's my mom. And the reason I know this is because I've had this since I was a baby. And it's the picture of Gail with the cupcake. She's wearing the same outfit, obviously the same woman. We see a flashback of Gail in the hospital with that Polaroid of her with the cupcake in her pocket. Because remember, she was going to throw it out (laughs) because she hated it so much. Sarah narrates and says, my mom was a Jane Doe. Her body was still warm when they dumped it at the hospital, six months pregnant. Stefan is there too. Yeah, so he brought her to the hospital, it appears. Yes. But after she's in the operating room, he gets up and walks away. She says, the nurses thought I was DOA too, but one doctor did an emergency C-section and I survived. We get a lingering shot of the doctor. I double-checked on IMDb. That is because it is Grayson Gilbert. Yeah, I said, that's got to be Grayson Gilbert. But again, I don't know what the man looks like. Yeah, he looks like any man. One thing about Grayson Gilbert is he's going to deliver a baby and put them into the world. Yeah. With or without parents. He's just giving away babies. He said, the world needs another baby, baby. (laughs) He said, another free baby for me to sell. Yeah, my side hustle. (laughs) He's probably not selling them. But maybe, I don't trust him. She says, I lived three months in an incubator. They didn't know who my dad was and neither did I. But then I found this and it's that photo. And Jeremy looks at it and says, your dad is Zach Salvatore. I guess you were pretty adamant about, so go Stephanie. Now, how Jeremy knows who Zach Salvatore is, I don't know. <laughs> but I'm ignoring that. Yeah, like, I think he knew who Zach Salvatore was, but he might not have seen a picture of him. I just can't believe Uncle Zach has come back in this way. I know. I love it. Get to see him again. So here's the question. Do you think Stefan knows this baby was born? I don't think so, because... I'm not sure Zach even came with him to the hospital. I think it doesn't seem like he did. Yeah, I think Stefan brought him and Zach was getting compelled while this happened. And I think as soon as there were doctors there, Stefan left. And I think he never looked into it again because he didn't want to know. Even if he figured out there was a baby, what was he going to do? Like go to Zach and be like, hey, I compelled you to forget this, but here's your baby. So I think he just kind of was like, you know what? If there's a baby, then it's safe away from my family. Do you think... Sarah and Stefan will meet? Probably. I mean, I think now that she knows the name of her dad, since Jeremy just gave that up for free, Mm -hmm. um, I do think she's going to be hunting down other Salvatores, especially because she won't. I mean, she isn't explicitly told right now that Zach is dead, but I'm sure she's going to figure that out from someone. Yeah. And also, we don't really know that much about whether she hates vampires or whether she knew anything about vampires, because it's kind of crazy that she hasn't outed Caroline and Elena already or said it was a vampire. That does bring into question kind of what she knows. So you think she might already know about vampires or she might've known about magic in some way before coming to Mystic Falls? I think there's a possibility. We go over to Alaric's office and Elena's there. She says, how could you obliterate an entire chapter of my life? Girl, you were being quite annoying about it. Girl, you begged me to. And frankly, I didn't want to have the conversation anymore. Rick says, look, Elena, as much as I like to think I'm full of wisdom, I think it's time we stop pretending that I actually know what's best, okay? He's like, you guys need to stop relying on me to be like the main person deciding things because I am not capable of this. Yeah. Need I remind you that when you met me, I was an alcoholic history teacher. And now I'm an alcoholic vampire occult studies professor. What growth do you think I did? Yeah. And in that time, I've had multiple girlfriends die. And I died. So in what world am I well-adjusted? Let's be honest. Don't you think if I was well-adjusted, I would have gone to peace? (laughs) He says, I've got my own issues to sort out right now. This will explain it much better than I can. He said, read your own damn journal, bitch. 
He said, because you're not going to believe me anyway. The only person you ever want to listen to is yourself. She opens the journal. And the first thing she sees is that photo strip of her and Damon being goofy. And this is jarring for her. Yeah, because she's like, this guy's a killer. Like, what am I laughing about? What's so funny, murder? (laughs) What's so funny, my dead brother? So she reads the journal out loud. So we see what she wrote. She says, dear me, if you're reading this, then somebody spilled the beans about your selective memory loss. My money's on Caroline. Now, bitch to throw Caroline under the bus like that, but fair guess. I was going to say, that's bitchy, but also... That's kind of who my money was on, too. (laughs) Elena reads, yes, you loved Damon with a passion that consumed you. And when Damon died, the void he filled was too deep, too dark. Facing an eternity without your soulmate, you went off the deep end. You turned into someone you weren't, a monster. Meanwhile, we see Damon in the prison world looking at a picture of Stefan and Zach. Elena continues to read, Alaric can restore your memories. There's no evidence he can. Yeah. She says, all you have to do is ask, but I hope you don't. I tried it the other way and I didn't see an end to the pain. She looks through the rest of the box as she reads this. She says, I want you to rediscover yourself in the absence of the one who defined you. It's a little bit unfair. Because you grew into yourself a lot when you were with him, but whatever. Whatever. Meanwhile, we see Stefan uncovers a car in the auto shop that looks exactly like Damon's car. Uh, So as it turns out, He's working in the auto shop so that he can recreate Damon's car because, and I think this represents, he has not lost hope that Damon is coming back. He's kind of taken the Damon vulnerability track where he doesn't want to let people know that he's still hoping for this because if he never says he's hoping for it, he can't be let down. Yeah. Elena reads, if you feel any hope for the future at all, then you're already better off. She was smart to write this. She says, you've been given a chance to start over. I want you to take it. I want you to be happy. And Alaric says, what do you want me to do? And Elena hands back the journal and says, can you hold on to that? Keep it safe in case I ever need to read it again. And I do think, personally, since the damage is already done, it doesn't hurt her to keep these memories away, especially since Damon's still dead. Well, and it's worth just like thinking this through because, again, she should have thought it through a little more when she took the memories away. But it's worth thinking like, I know I was in so much pain that I felt that this was necessary. Let's see if I feel like my life is comfortable and like if I feel like a need for this or if I feel like I can move on. Mm -hmm. We go back to the prison world. Damon finds Bonnie at the dining room table in the Salvatore house eating pancakes. And he says, shame eating. And she says, I'm thinking about that pregnant lady. She had a thing for pancakes. And Damon says, that's what you remember from that story. And Bonnie says, you remember it, don't you? You make pancakes every day. And he says, because I'm bored. And she says, no, because you're punishing yourself. This is why Bonnie is such a great character. She's giving him such grace and giving him the benefit of the doubt and she's realizing there's more to admire about damon than she previously thought and again i'm just realizing this with the way we've been talking about stefan and damon the whole episode how they've kind of switched because now damon is doing this like punishing himself yeah and stefan is hiding the vulnerability they're like each taking the other one's path because they're like well mine wasn't working let's see what they were doing (laughs) guess what the other path doesn't work either idiot neither of you guys were ever doing good neither was working for either of you at any time the grass is certainly not greener She says, you called this place your hell. It means you feel remorse. That's what makes you different from Kai. It means there's hope for you. Damon says, look, we can still get out of here, Bonnie. We just steal that ascendant contraption, find out what Kai knows, ditch him. He doesn't have any powers anyway. Now, of course, Kai appears because he was listening. Because all he does is listen to y'all two talk. Did you think that you were like alone? Kai says, actually, it's not that simple. And Damon says, okay, you got to stop doing that. It's creepy. And Kai says, here's the thing. I have a peculiar effect on magic. I can't generate it myself. 
but I can consume it from others temporarily. My family called me an abomination, and that hurt my feelings. And it hurt my feelings so bad I killed them. Kai grabs Bonnie's wrist and it glows red. And with that, he makes fire and does a little aneurysm spell on Damon to prove that he can do magic when, you know, given the chance. Damon says, okay, we got it. Kai lets go of Bonnie and stops. And he says, you can see why my coven and I didn't get along. So this is a new creature alert, new creature alert. It's been a while. I know. I will tell you what this creature is called because it's not a spoiler to say it. Should I guess? Yeah, but before I do, I want you to guess what we're going to call it. Trying to think something about like, a vacuum or sucking things up or like like a leech. That's in the right ballpark. Do you want to try another guess before I tell you? Oh, um, hmm. some word connected to vampire too, that it's like sucking things out. Uh, you can tell me now. We're going to call creatures like this a siphon. Okay, that's a good one. I know, isn't it a good word for it? Because leech didn't quite feel right. Yes. So he siphons magic. That red glow we'll notice is the like visual cue for when he is siphoning magic. Okay. Out of curiosity, based on what we know, very limited, is there anything you think he cannot siphon magic out of? What are things you could you think he could use to siphon magic out of? I do think it's probably just witches. Potentially, maybe like spelled objects, but I think that would be a really limited supply of magic. So I think to do anything big, it has to be like an actual witch. That makes sense. Damon says, I smell an ultimatum. Kai says, if I consume all of Bonnie's magic, I'm just going to end up killing her. But if we work together, we can all go home as friends. Or I can devour her magic, kill you both, and go home alone. So what's it going to be? This is a fair deal that he's striking. He's saved yeah. a lot of, I mean, again, this is the smartness of Kai. He saved a lot of like ace in the hole information for when he really needs it. Mm -hmm. He has access to powers. Like he could just take it and leave you guys here, but he's like choosing to loop you in. So he says, what's it going to be? He eats some pancakes. Do you think still that all three of them will be getting out of this prison world? Or do you think they're going to find a way to leave Kai here or like any combination of the three of them will get out? What's your prediction here? I think they'll all be getting out. Okay. You know, the potential they have to get Kai out of this, again, don't say it to each other because he's listening, but either just killing him before you even do it, although you don't know for sure you know the spell. So that's kind of a dangerous game to play. The other option is as soon as you get out, kill him. Of course, that does assume that you all end up in the same place when you get out, Yeah, which may not necessarily be true. Now, I'm sure Damon and Bonnie will end up in the same place because they started in the same place before they came. Mm. I mean, them killing him, while I think they have reasonable evidence to do so, given what they know, they don't know the background of the Gemini coven. He may prove useful when they get out. The problem with being here versus being on the other side, they don't have any idea what's happening with their heroes. They don't know that this Gemini coven lead is something they're like dancing around. It also seems that he wants to get out to go kill his coven. Now, you don't really want him to go kill more people because you're like not into people dying, but you don't know this coven. And like, it's kind of whatever if he goes and does that overall. It doesn't seem like he's like Silas, who was just going to like kill a bunch of people randomly. His goal seems pretty targeted. Yeah, it seems like if you let him out, like it probably won't affect you. Like, and I think it probably will in some way affect them because it's a TV show. But yeah. given the information they have, like, there's no reason to expect that will be an issue for them. Yeah. Now that you know that he can siphon magic from you, you kind of know how to deal with him a little more. Like, let's avoid that physical contact. Yeah. We go over to the auto shop in Savannah, Georgia. Someone peeks in the window. Stefan hears some noises. He turns and says, hello. No one says anything. So he goes back to work. And then there's a clang. He turns around and he sees a person. And he says, Ivy. And he's like, oh, I'm actually not that happy to see you for all that I've been saying. He turns to her and she says, Stefan, 
I don't feel so good. Your friend Enzo made me drink his blood and now I'm so thirsty. And that's where we end the episode. So we know that Enzo turned Ivy into a vampire. We don't know if she's completed the transition, but we can assume she has based on the fact that her veins show up. Yeah, I'm assuming she like killed this guy who went to bury her. That's a fair assumption. So how long do you think Ivy's going to be with us? Max two episodes. This is not going to go well for her. Best case scenario, Stefan helps her through it. He's not good at it and he won't want to. And also I do think our heroes need to see kind of what Trip is doing and we need kind of a random vampire to die in that way to show them. Yeah, and Ivy kind of does fit that bill. So I think she's uh, she's kind of cannon fodder at this point. And I think Stefan knows this right now too. Like I think he knows she's not long for this world. And he's like, fuck, now I have to protect her because I had all this shit to say. He's like, and I can't <laughs> stake her, but I kind of hope someone does. Yeah, if she runs into a stake, oops. <laughs> That brings us to the end of this week's episode. As always, if you are enjoying Vampire Diaries and or Doppelgangers, please give us five stars rating review on Apple and Spotify podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. But that's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother.